Welcome to Working Dog Radio. Broadcasting the bite. Hey guys, we love Ray Allen Manufacturing. They have everything you need when it comes to dogs. Uh, their, their integrity is way up there. We get all of our stuff from them. They have an amazing website, easy to follow, great customer service, great shipping. It's our favorite company. They've been with us for a long time. We have a great relationship with them. RayAllen.com for everything that you need for dogs, period. RayAllen.com. Speaking of stuff we love, another one of the great partnerships we have is with our friends at Dogtra. The guys are producing some amazing tools in the dog training world, everything from e-collars, GPS tracking, the ball trainers, which I use all the time at the kennel. Um, so if it's electronic and it's used for dog training, Dogtra is probably the best way you can go. They are truly revolutionizing the way you communicate with your dog. Hit them up at Dogtra.com. All right, guys, the biggest and baddest canine conference in the U.S. every year is HITS. And, uh, you know, because of COVID, it got pushed back. Now, next year, it is July 6th through the 9th in Scottsdale, Arizona, at what we're being told is an unbelievable five-star resort. July 6th through the 9th, 2021, hits K9.net. We get it. Fueling a working dog can be tough, but they need high-quality food with great ingredients to be able to work throughout the day. That's why we like our friends at kineticdogfood.com. Great for working and sporting breeds. You've all heard mine and Ted's stories by now, being tagged by a dog and using Quick Derm for a quick treatment before we could get to the doctor's office. But it's no exaggeration. This stuff is awesome. Once daily treatment for any skin, skin conditions or small wounds to help stop little issues from becoming big issues comes in sprays, ointments, or dressing. Quick Derm is great at creating a protective barrier and promoting wound healing. There's no reason to not have a bottle of this in your car, your kennel, your first aid cabinet. Check them out at vetcare.us. Put in the discount code 10WDR. Ever dream of having your own kennel but don't want to deal with having to build it yourself? Believe me, I've been there. That's why we like our friends at Horizon Structures. Uh, has it all take all the guests we're taking out of it, and the kennel del- is delivered to your place, built and ready to rock. Horizonstructures.com. All right, everybody, we are back. Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. I am Ted Summers, as always, from Tulsa. Well, not always, but I am in Tulsa right now. Um, and with me from Canton, Ohio, is Eric. Eric, what's going on? Uh, just working dogs, man. I barely made it at home in time for this. Um, <laughs> I, my fucking truck light came back on. The work, the engine light. <laughs> Didn't you just? I have just got the brand new fucking motor put in it, dude. So the light come back on today. I you stopped the, at the uh, I stopped at a buddy's garage, put it on the machine. It was a O2 sensor. So I I took it to the dealership. I was fucking hot too, bro. And um, <laughs> there and I'm watching the clock. I'm like, I gotta get to the kennel. I gotta drop these fuckers off and feed them. I gotta get home, get all this, take care of these four million dogs in my house. And um, so then uh, O2 sensor is a back order till mid-November. And oh, I'm like, uh, yeah, cool. I don't even know what the fuck that is. So they're like, Yo, you'll probably get CO poisoning, but that's all right. So <laughs> I just stick my head out the window like a dog. And, <laughs> you, you got the warranty but, claim uh, in at 59,997 miles. <laughs> yeah. Then, oh, yeah. And, pretty much. Yeah. And yep. then done. And now the fucking thing came out. And now it's oh, something else. So Excellent. But, yeah, it went... Uh, just training dogs, man. I got um, 
dogs I'm getting ready for handler schools, one that's going to go somewhere else. Um, and then, like, so I had a handler for the first time today get to come in and work his dog. Now, this will be his third dog. The one he's working now is older, you know, and it's definitely slowed way down. And I told him, I said, hey, man, um, yeah, you better, like, be doing stretches and getting yourself in shape because this dog is like when you were 20. And uh, so we, we tracked we tracked first thing this morning. He was like, holy fuck. And then we went and worked uh, odor boxes. He was sweating. Scratch the dog. Uh, he was scratching, was bleeding. It was awesome. I loved it. So, uh, yeah, I go, I do this by myself, bro. I said, I, <laughs> this dog, man, I like lay on the floor when I'm done working with him. So, uh, other than that, that's about it, man. What's going on in Tulsa? Uh, we got a handler school going on. I got five, well, five and a half, six guys in handler school. One's kind of coming in and out. Um, and then we got green dogs in process too. So it's been uh, it's been pretty busy. We're tracking a bunch, and we're at that point where we have to age all the tracks like thirty and forty minutes with fucking five dogs, and it just it is killing me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like answering, I'm like fucking answering emails and doing obedience with the other dogs in between. <laughs> it's, it's, I fucking hate doing. I hate sitting around waiting for that shit to go. But other than that, uh, it's uh, we're doing that. Mm, we got the new HRD, the uh, next HRD. Oh, I think in fact by the time this goes up, um, we'll be at uh, the HRD in Salt Lake City, which is sold out. Um, Draper County is hosting us, uh, sold out. So that's awesome. So hopefully it'll be good. We get to see. I think we're gonna get to see one of our uh, past hosts, our past guest, uh, Jake Hutchinson, uh, Avalanche Dog Guy. Hopefully, and go oh. see his gym. He uh, works at a fucking badass gym there. Maybe go work out with him. We'll see. But yeah. So other than that, more of the same. And I'm waiting for 2020 to be over. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's uh, 2020 has been um, has been <laughs> interesting to say the least. So um, so tonight, um, before we even started the podcast, uh, one of our guests tonight. We have two guests on tonight, um, and I'm gonna let them introduce themselves, and I'm gonna do a little bit beforehand. Um, both were from the special operations community, um, the army. I'll let them tell their stories. Uh, one was a friend of ours, even before we started the, uh, podcast with me tonight, um, are Trent, uh, or Julian, uh, McDonald. So with us also is Byron Beffley. Interesting <laughs> gentlemen. So you guys are, uh, joining us from Florida. So what's up? How are you guys? Yeah. Hey, no, we're good. Yeah. We're doing great. Just hanging out here in old sunny Florida, you know? Just sunshine state, just working dogs. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, Byron, why don't you give us a little background on how you ended up down there and uh, working with uh, working with dogs? Well, it's kind of a cool story. Um, you know, spent a lot of my most of my time in the army and Third Ranger Battalion, and um, the best battalion, of course. Uh, that <laughs> Trent will argue that fact, um, but um, and got out. Um, and ended up getting involved with Rescue 22, um, ended up getting a service dog through them, getting into, got into um, the dog world, uh, started working service dogs, and I started doing some security details with uh, the dogs, and then uh, got into the training side of it with Eric Ennis, who owns Coastline Canine. Um, he brought me on as a partner, and we stood up Emerald Coast, 
our coastline cane emerald coast here in the crestview destin uh panhandle area and we service this entire area trent and i do and i manage that and trent is our lead trainer and i just and that's really the kind of the synopsis and i was Prior to that, I was uh, I was a commercial underwater welder, and I was in college and nursing school, and all these other crazy things that I did that I just didn't find fulfillment, and um, got introduced to the beautiful world of dogs, and found all the fulfillment in the world because it's such a broad, just an immensely broad career field, uh, from service dogs to detection to protection to uh, search and rescue and just became really obsessed with the the diversity of, of the industry and with the mentorship of some really awesome people. I mean, Eric Innes being the first, uh, John Devine with Devine Canine, uh, Will Whitting um, out at uh, out up in um, North Carolina, and then, of course, Trent, to not, not, you know, you know, and, and that's just, and then the rest is history. <laughs> so Excellent. <laughs> awesome. So Trent, how about, uh, how'd we get here with you? <laughs> oh man. So, um, <laughs> exactly. you know, uh, <laughs> okay. All right. So I, you know, I was in the, I was in the special operations for, um, nine and a half years. Uh, I was uh, a canine, um, handler, uh, for four and then I became one of their head uh, trainers up there at the 75th Ranger Regiment for um, for two years. Um, I got out. I got out. I went and uh, I went and started training dogs at uh, at some at some reservations uh, at one at one Indian reservation. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the best time that I ever had um, training those you know training those canines. I felt like there was just a lot of pressure um put on me uh to create performing dogs um that never really got to you know get you know get their full potential um and so i got out of that in, probably in 2000 and 2004 no 2015 no oh, what year is it tbi guys 17 yeah i think i got out of that 2017 and um and i came and i took my whole family to uh to florida um and i came here out here to florida because my brother my brother he's in seven special forces group out here and um you know and there's a bunch of military guys that are his friends and so i found it that maybe it would just be easier for me to transition um kind of away from um you know the situation that i was in uh, and also um, be around, you know, like-minded people uh, within the special operations. Um, I found myself uh, kind of in a little bit of a, a toxic relationship in which, um, you know, I was, anyway, that's besides the point, but just a toxic relationship mm-hmm. that I just got out of. And, um, you know, I was just sitting at home one day, uh, kind of wasting, wasting myself away. And um, I got a call from, I want to say, what was it, Byron? Was it Eric or was it you? Somebody, one of y'all reached out well, to me. Um, no, it was really funny. So I, I had just finished doing something with the dogs. Um, I can't remember what I was doing. And Eric hits me up. 
uh, I'm driving down on Instagram, um, which I was like, why the heck is my bro texting me? He goes, bro, bro. He goes, Trent McDonald um, is in your area. Like, I think he's like right down the street from you. And I'm like, no way. He's like, there's a ranger, literally. So Trent, I hit up Trent. And Trent, I hit Trent up on social media. And I'm like, hey, bro, I'm told you're like two miles from my house. Of course, I'm thinking this is an exaggeration of some kind. And he goes, Sid, he goes let's go get drinks tonight, bro, which is always a bad news because Elena looked at me and she's pregnant. And she looks at me and goes, I'm coming. <laughs> because <laughs> you, we, we know what's going to happen if two rangers get together because it's like one for one. And uh, we ended up going out. And uh, linking up, and sure as the day is long, Trent is two miles from my house. And I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be bad. This is going to be the best thing ever. And next thing you know, Trent and I just pretty much attached at the hip, um, pun intended. Um, and we just started training and working dogs. And, and I had, like, honestly, I had no intentions of getting back into canine whatsoever. Um, my sole purpose was, hey, let me take care of Leica. Let me have her live her best life out here on the ocean. You know, I, I get to take her, like, you know, spearfishing with me. I get to put her, like, on paddle boards. Like, we have a good little time, you know. She's she's nine. She's getting older, so she's a lot more docile. And, um, you know, I just wanted her to enjoy her time. And, like I said, these guys, these guys came around, and we linked up. And um, I was like, all right, well. You know, and then Eric hit me with a proposition. He's like, hey, I have a client real close to you, and I'd like to do a board and train, um, you know, a board and train where I take the dog and, I, you know, I keep it for a month and, and do obedience on it. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. Um, but, you know, like I had I had some pretty pretty strict rules or guidelines. I, you know, I just let them know that, like, I didn't want, you know, I didn't want some of my, I didn't want my face to be in pictures. I didn't want. You know what I mean? Because I kind of went into hiding um, from it all. And so um, I was kind of really, um, I guess, kind of, I don't know what the word is, um, apprehensive about the whole thing. And I did the board and train. The client really liked it, uh, got really good feedback. And then Eric was like, hey, I think, you know, he was like, hey, I got another board and train for you. And I was like, all right. And so me and Byron trained, trained that other board and train. And then Eric was like, hey, you want to come down to Naples and see my facility? And I was like, yeah, I'll come down and see your facility. And I came down and saw his facility and I was like, all right, man, I'm starting to get this itch again. You know what I mean? I think, you know, I think this is something that I'm willing to dive back into. Um, but, you know, it was one of those things where, uh, you know, I let him know, like, I'm not, I'm not here for the drama. I'm just here to train dogs. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, you know, like you guys run the business side of it. Y'all run the money side of it. Y'all figure it out. Like, I just, all I want to do is train these dogs. And um, they were all in agreement uh, with me and respected my decision um, because that's what kind of burnt me out the last time. Uh, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it, I guess, my way. And I'm going to have fun doing it. Um, and Byron's really good at doing what he does. And he's also really good at training dogs, but I don't want any part of what he has to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Scheduling. Like he's got a, he's got like a full blown kennel getting built right now as we speak. And it's just like, I'm like, I'd be pulling my hair out. Like, I just want to hang out with my daughter and train dogs, you know? So, yeah. oh, I mean, yeah. that's what's going on right now. And, um, you know, we're, we're about, we're about to, 
you know, list off on these kennels that we're fixing to have um, space for, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Byron, is it six, six dogs at these kennels so far? You know, no, we're going to have a uh, room total for 10, 10 dogs total in the, in the facility we have here. And we'll be able to do everything from, I mean, everything from behavioral modification to uh, police training uh, to breeding uh, and basically board and trains, your everyday average board and trains, family protection dogs, service dogs. We'll be able to do everything right here. It's not a large kennel. It's it's only large enough to put uh, you know eight to ten dogs comfortably. Um, uh, we have uh, ten total kennels um, with the ability to split some of the kennels into more than one. Uh, five, you know. Um, yeah, and uh, you know it's uh, yeah, it's pretty fun. I can't I can't I can't deny it. It turned into one of those the perfect storm you know two rangers same location both doing dogs i was already engaged in doing it by myself and i was like man you know i got four kids uh 40 million dogs is what it feels like sometimes like you said and i need i need an extra hand here and then it was like oh snap like the man the myth the legend pops back up on the radar and surprisingly, we didn't have to get bailed out of jail. So you know <laughs> that night. So yeah. <laughs> we had a we had yeah, we had Elena to to keep us uh, in check that night. So my better half, who's also trained. Awesome. Um, so when uh, Trent, when you went in to the battalion, um, the dog program was fairly new at that point. Um, so you know. Kind of talk a little bit about how that process went down and um, how you decided to um, to go through the process to become canine handler through for the battalion. Yeah, so it was like my um, it was I was on my third deployment and I was I remember I was like I was thinking like should I get out of the army and just like be a cop or you know I was I didn't want to sound bad I didn't want to have um, I was fixing to be a team leader and I didn't want to have private underneath me. I didn't want to get in trouble for um, things that privates did while on the weekend while I'm at home doing the right thing. And so, um, you know, I, I saw the dog and like, I've, I've always loved animals to begin with, um, training horses as a kid and uh, just kind of training my, my house dogs. And uh, there was a, the, the civilian contractor that was working with us at the time. Uh, he was sitting down and I started asking him like, well, maybe this is like, this is a job that I really want to get into. Like I was seeing these dogs overseas hit, you know, area search for man. And I mean, just having a great time um, doing it. And, you know, I remember getting like, that was the most exciting part of just about every mission besides like, you know, if we, were, we, we weren't getting shot at is being able to launch that dog for an area search for man. And, um, you know, it, it, that really drew drew me in, and um, I asked him, and he was like, you know, I was like, hey, you know, how do I be a contractor to do this? And he was like, no, 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 we're coming to you. He was like, he was like, well, like he was like, hey, like the trainer was like, literally, like I'm gonna be a trainer for a battalion, and he was like, we're coming, we're coming for you guys, you know. So um, they had opened it up. Uh, they had already gone through, I want to say, one year of it being open. And then finally, I was able to st 
stick my foot in that door by re-enlisting for five years. And um, I got into there. Um, I got a, a really rad dog. Um, his name was um, uh, what, MWD Benno. Um, M, that's a uh, military working dog. Um, that's what we call them. But really, they're multi-purpose canines. And um, if you guys know uh, or don't, don't know that's the dog that's on that um that really famous painting that circulates the internet and you know gets popped up on people's feeds on like national dog day and stuff like that uh and it's titled into the breach um you can clearly see his his call sign on the side uh dog was you know was just a complete really he was he was a lot of dog for somebody like me to uh have to handle um but you know we you know, me and him finally meshed. I got blown up in 09, and um, after I got blown up, uh, me and him came pretty pretty close uh, after that. So um, that's that's how I got like that's how I came into the dogs uh, was just kind of that you know going that route. And the selection process, you know, it was like you know PT test, got to carry like these you know these um, these gas cans like these big massive plastic. I want to say five gallon gas cans, like two of them. And we had to like carry him for like two miles for a certain time, um, then climb a rope. You know, we had to climb like a, a rope with something weighted underneath us. And, um, you know, we had to do like your standard five mile in 40 minutes and, um, and you're, you know, at least 80% on pushups. Um, and then, you know, then they were like, oh, here's your dogs. And um, we went through, and I don't know if they're still going through it, but um, we went through uh, Von Lick Kennels. Um, not only, and that's, that's who they were contracted through at the time. And that was to, um, get the dogs and, uh, and also put us through, I want to say it was like a 10 week, um, handler scores, um, which, you know, it was a really good time doing that. Um, at the, at the time when we went through, I don't think, uh, you know, Von Lick was mostly police, police and search and rescue and stuff like that. And I think this was like probably one of their first times. You know, not very many iterations of them going through um, tactical scenarios with special operations people. So uh, we had, like, really I had a great time up there in Peru, Indiana. Um, some of the best uh, Amish food in the world, I think, is up there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then, uh, yeah, that's about it for that. So that's how, yeah, that's how I got so, into the dog. That's awesome. That's good. Sounds uh we hear that story a lot. Uh, Byron, so when you're in there, were you, like, going through deployments? What, what was your experience with dogs as far as, like, the beginning? Was it during a workup? You're like, hey, man, this is pretty sweet. Or was it out on deployment? So there's you saw no some things dog. the dogs were doing? I saw a lot of cool stuff that dogs did. Um, but as far as their dog program, it was being talked about. Um, everything was being talked about. Standing up two new battalions. Uh, Echo Company and Delta Company were being talked about. They were, they were standing up the uh, the battalion reconnaissance element. So I was like early GWAT uh, baby, um, you know, and everything was – it was RASP at the time. It was RIP. It was, things completely changed. Um, and then uh, as I was leaving, they stood up the dog handler program, Um and but when we were there it was always dogs were either uh civilian contractors uh delta force operators or some other agency that had a dog 
you know, or a um, canine from the uh, NSW. And I mean, it was, I, I can remember, it was actually really funny. I was, we were doing a night call out on a house and they were like, hey, they're talking to the lady and they're like, there's no one left in this house. And he's like, no, there's nobody left in the house. This is all, you know, I'm the, the interpreter's interpreting this stuff and it's chaos and everybody's under nods. And we're all kind of standing off, you know, by the gate. And there's this soft knock. And of course, all of us rangers are like ticked off because, you know, these soft knocks, none of us want to do a soft knock. You know, like, hey, let's, let's blast the door and go, you know. And I was just an assaulter. And uh, they're like, dude, if there's anyone in that house, this dog over here is going to get them. And uh, they sent the dog on a blind search. And within about, um, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds, you start hearing, and I'm like, and we're all looking at each other, you know, that, that look of complete terrified, whatever. And the dog comes out and he's just covered in blood, and, but it's in his mouth. And I'm just looking over like, holy shit. Like, is this dude dead? Like, and of course the dude just mauled and they got the dude and he was like, I guess, uh, or one of the dudes that we were looking for. I, I don't remember all the details, but I was just like, whoa, you know, like this dog went in that building, found him in a closet and basically pulled him out by his flesh. Um, and I was just like, that is amazing. That was absolutely amazing. And uh, that was really about my only, like, major experience. I mean, we had other dogs. They were um, – I don't really know who they were attached with or to. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I – that was really – it was very, very new. Um it was one of those things where I look back on my experience through all of my deployments, which is in the double digits. And you just like, you see the application of these, these amazing creatures that have the ability to use a, the, a part of their physical body that is able to smell at parts per million, you know, it just blows my mind and they can smell, you know, Oh man, there was C4 here. It's not now, but it was here at some point. And it's like, wow, you know, that's, that's amazing. So there was plenty of application and it's a shame that it wasn't being utilized sooner to be in my personal opinion. I think there's plenty of situations and circumstances where a dog could have prevented something tragic from happening. So the, when I, uh, lo- the listeners of this know that um, I worked a short stint for uh, Cobra Canine, who has the NSW contract. I worked out in California on the West Coast uh, as a trainer. And um, at that point on the West Coast NSW, the, the program, this was October 13 when I got there. And it was only like two years old. Um, but on the East Coast, they had had dogs for a while. And uh, they were way further ahead. Um, I don't know if it's because they're closer to the flagpole or what the deal is, but they definitely were way further ahead. And I was still surprised in 2013 when I was out there how little, like, the platoon chiefs understood about the application of the dogs. Um, we were doing a workup for for deployment. We were out on an island doing some work, and they had a, a 
thing set up and the guy was hiding in a, in a crawl space inside this building. I knew where he was at, but, um, I, they couldn't find him and couldn't find him. And I, I remember peeking in the window and I go, Hey chief, use the dog. The dog can find him. He goes, why, why would I do that? So <laughs> even then, yeah, he had no idea what their case. He thought I, I think that he just figured they were for um, explosives and and squirters, and uh, and we worked some of that. And then we did a. I set up a scenario on one where I had the the handler send the dog in on a long line in the house. I was the last person in the house. I was refusing to come out. Send the dog in, bite me. I'm gonna fall in the breach, and right, you know, pretty dangerous spot to be for a guy to be in. I told the handler, I said, just drag me across the gravel, just use your line and the dog and rip me out of there and drag me across the thing. And he did it. And then the team made entry and we were having some beers that night. And I said to the chief, I go, Hey, so what'd you think about that? He goes, that was the coolest fucking shit I've ever seen. And I cannot wait to get over to Afghanistan and use it. <laughs> I was like, see, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. There's a lot of, I, I, lot of fucking fun. We my can mind. Have. I, I mean, seriously, it's insane. It's like the application to a dog is honestly like there's things that ideas that I've had about like how we can utilize dogs with more hands off, you know, utilizing canine helm. And I'm sure I'm not the first dude to come up with these ideas and these ideas maybe even being able being developed now. But I mean, they are. I, I literally sometimes think Barche and Odin are more intelligent sometimes than my, 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 my youngest child sometimes. Um, and, and they're, and they're four four years old. So, Oh, he's four, he's four. He's good. And he's a boy, but it's just like, but I'm just like, this is insane. He, he, they have the deductive reasoning to be able to go, you're not good, but you are, and I'm going to nuke you and I'm not going to nuke that. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's just like, it's insane. And being, and like I said, like the V beds that we had, that dude like walked up to and stories that I've heard, things that I've physically seen where I was like, we didn't have dogs in, but if we had a ranger dog handler, that could have been detected and that could have prevented X, Y, and Z. And, uh, yeah, I, I just think I think the the dog program in general, from the Leos to even search and rescue, um, and then on the military side as well, is is going to go leaps and bounds in the next, especially with all the clout that the canine stuff from the recent Baghdadi hit and the canine handler there, movies coming out about dog handling and all the dog stuff that's going on right now is you know. That's it's about to get. I think it's about to really explode. Well, it finally became its own MOS too. I think it's not just a. <clears throat> it's, it's not always yeah. been its own MOS. The other services and in the army, it's a it's a military police, if I'm not mistaken, uh, MOS, and they they have a military police canine MOS that you can go into. But as far as Ranger Regiment and in the soft community. It's a, um, and Trent, can you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it's a, it's a, like being a sniper, 
anybody can go to sniper school as an 11 Bravo and anybody can yeah. go to halo school or dive school. It's another school and then you're attached. And it, well, and then, you know, for me, like I, I digress, um, on, on what, we're, what you're originally talking about, but, um, but no, that was like, that was one of the main reasons why we even opened up the canine program to begin with is because, um, we were thinking taking MPs out on target. MPs who didn't know our TTPs and our SOPs and how we ran it. And with with a lot of these new platoons, you know, who was with guys who didn't really know much about the dog or the utilization of the dogs because, A, they didn't trust the MPs who had never trained with them before who are now out on target with them. Um, you know, it was just kind of – it was our job uh, to educate um, the platoon. And then if you – if you as a handler had a had a dog and, and you wanted to get in on the action, um, that's exactly what you did is you got in good with the platoon sergeant. You got in good with the PL through your actions um, and, uh, you know, on target um, in your professionalism off target. Um, and, you know, you took the time to give your guys classes because the thing is, is when people go into training, you know, I wouldn't see – I wouldn't see my platoon that I worked with that I did four deployments with. I wouldn't see them until like the very, very end. Like the, the training wasn't integrated. Yeah. I'd see them on airfield seizures. I'm doing an uh, air land option. All right. Too easy. Um, you know, will I get, am I getting a squirter out here tonight? No, cause it's, you know, cause that's not what this, you know, not, that, this is not what that task entails. This task entails doing an airfield seizure. Um, you know, and so, you know, am I, am I doing elevators with my platoon? No, I'm not doing elevators out of helicopters with my platoon. I'm doing it with my canine guys. Well, your canine guys aren't going out on target with you. You know, um, the guys, uh, you know, the, the guys that you work for in your platoon are, and you act as an enabler and unless you actually physically go and that probably has changed now, but back when I was in, um, from, you know, when I was a handler from 2000 and, and nine all the way up till 2015, um, you know, it was like one of those things, like you, you're either proactive, and if you're proactive about being around your platoon and getting your dog around the, the platoon and getting your dog to move and, and weave in and out of um, people, uh, you know, and shoot houses and getting everybody comfortable within the platoon with your dog, um, you know, and, and really making your dog be part of the team and one of the boys. Um, if you failed to do that, then you never got utilized. Um, one, because your guys didn't trust the guys wouldn't trust the dog. Um, you know, if, if you're not a proactive, uh, ranger hand slash handler, um, then, you know, and you're not proactive in trying to get in on the training and hop in on the platoon training and go to all the ranges. Cause you know, as, as in the line, that's all you're doing is going to ranges and jumping out of planes. And, um, you know, and then as a dog handler, it's like, you know, it's like all you're doing is just training, training your dog and training one dog and training one specific dog and burying hides. But none of those guys know anything about that. You know, like you, you already know what it's like to be an infantryman ranger because you've been there before. Um, none of those guys know anything about, about canines. Like, for <clears> example, we were, we were taking heavy, um, we were taking PKM gunfire through the breach of a house and uh, Benno had actually just bit me. Um, the, you know, the, the commander actually was on target with us. He got super frustrated about what was going on in front of him that he just, he looked at me and he said, send your dog in there. And I looked at him and I said, I'm not sending my dog in there. And he was like, I'm, he was like, I'm the, I'm the fucking commander. You will send that dog in there. And I remember I unhooked my dog and I handed it to him. 
And I was like, I was like, I'm not going to kill my dog today, but you can, you know? And that's like, you know, mm. I'm not going to go, go against his orders, but I'm not going to be the one to pull that trigger. You know what I mean? Like you can go ahead and do it. And, um, uh, he told me that he just told me to get up and get out of his face. And that's what I did. But, um, that just goes to show you, even at a commander level, a, a major in the army, um, he had no clue how to, how, how to even utilize or implement these dogs in a, in a tactical scenario or environment. We get West Point PLs who are like first lieutenants and captains come in and those guys have never seen a dog a day in their life, but they're the ones who have to put their, they're the ones who have to take the liability for whatever that dog fucking does on target. If the dog eats a chicken, you know what I mean? That's the, that's the PL's ass. If the, if the dog hops on a cow and chews a cow up. Like, Speaking on, of which, you can like, you can tell that story later. <laughs> the the cow story. Um, so when uh, what was that like? Because Benno Benno um, still to this day has a reputation. Um, I mean, obviously he's in the end of the breach. He's also in the statue for the Special Operation War Dog Memorial. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's him too. So you know what was. What was it like getting one everybody on the team on board with Benno because he was a big angry fucker? And what what did that process look like? Well, okay, so <laughs> let, me tell you how, let me tell you how this all went down. So first of all, when they when I remember as a brand new handler, I come in and my trainer looks at me and we're out like they're all doing an obedience competition, uh, no e collars, you know what I mean, out of baseball field, and they have like all these little obstacles and stuff like a tennis ball laying in there and a bike suit laying on, on like another leg of it and like all these distractions for the dog and you're supposed to off leash the dog um, and using no e-collar and you're supposed to get the dog around Well, every dog goes. And then um, my good buddy, he comes out there with Benno and I have no clue Benno's even mine. And he literally, he looked at the trainer and he was like, he was like, are you ready for this? And he was like, yeah. And he was like, cause I'm last place. And he was like, Benno, pull again. And Benno like runs up takes two tennis balls, puts them in his mouth, and then goes and grabs the bite suit and runs to the outfield. He's like, he's like, fuck your OB, I'm here. Well, Benno had a, Benno had a, like, a hard issue. I don't know. I think he was abused um, in a muzzle, and I, and I think that uh, whoever prior, like, prior had him and or, and or prior uh, originally trained him um, didn't know what they were doing with all that drive and, and all that, all that is man that was him. And, um, he, he came with a lot of baggage. Uh, even when I was an assaulter in Iraq, you know, he bit, he bit a squad leader's, um, he bit and chipped his tooth on a squad leader's kneecap, um, and put that squad leader out for the rest of the deployment. Um, he bit my good buddy, Jeremy Katzenberg in the butt, rest in, God, God rest his soul. He, uh, he was KIA, um, a few deployments later. Um, and then, um, you know, he was just he still just a funny story. Not not his death, but the story of him biting him on the butt was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, you know, he just you know, he pretty much yeah, he bit him like he bit him right in the butt and then um you know, he was well, there was the, the everybody was flown in front of him and you know, we were going into a house in Iraq and he just like latched on. Um he's uh you know, he's just and that's what he was and you know, he was the type of dog that if you didn't, you know, nobody wanted anything to do with him. And it got to the point where it was like, hey, look, like we got to nix him from this whole program. Like he got kicked out of Iraq. Like, like the, like the battalion commander was like, this dog is no longer allowed to be in Iraq. 
Like, he can't be, because he was going around and biting only assaulters, and, like, they would spin him out on area searches, and he would go do, like, a half-ass area search, and then he would, like, turn back around at the assault force and be like, well, I found a human. You know what I mean? Like, I, found, yeah. I found somebody. I still get to fight them. You know what I mean? Like, I'm good to go, right? And so I got this dog with, like, a whole mess of baggage, and I knew what I was getting. My, I kind of knew what I was getting myself into. Um, I had, a, you know, I had a misfire on target with him on my first deployment. Um, and then on that same deployment, um, where, like, this was before I even got blown up, um, you know, I was, we were, we were in the, this, yeah, this was exactly what I'm telling you about the commander. Like, um, I was sitting there fixing to send him into this breach with a PKM and, uh, I have him off leash. Um, and really this is how we found out that there was a dude with a PKM. We thought we had killed everybody in the surrounding area, um, around that target compound and we were cleared to go in. Um, and we were going to send the dog, the dog in first, uh, ahead of the assault force. So we were going to send the dog and the assault, assault force was going to flow. Um, in there. Um, I had a good feeling after we've thrown a bunch of grenades, I had a good feeling that whatever was in there was dead and um, that Benno wouldn't bite any assaulters because he would have something in there to chew on. Um, so, you know, we go, uh, we, we send another grenade, boom, and as we as that grenade goes off, I already have this, you know, being a brand new handler, I want to make sure that I'm doing all the right things. So, dog's unhooked, I'm ready, I'm, you know, I'm counting down backwards from eight and uh, and I'm, you know, preparing to let this dog loose. And then all of a sudden, like, boom, and then out the breach. And everybody's like, whoa, well, you know, dogs have no concept of bullets or lead flying through the air. Um, and what he's been trained on is, like, he takes a bite, and, you go, you know, you got dudes shooting blank AKs and stuff like that at him, and he's running towards it and stuff like that. So, like, he's thinking, like, hey, I, it's time to eat. You know, that's his dinner bell going on. And so um, I, I was probably really, really unfair to him, but my adrenaline was sky high because uh, I was right there at the breach and uh, I literally I grabbed him by his vest and I drug him up underneath my legs and I sat on him and I started like Connor McGregoring his head in. Um, and about the about the fourth hit I mean I was like I remember and I had those Oakley assault gloves on too you know the I mean? like the ones that are like you know awesome knuckles where you can punch anything and you can't feel it oh yeah, um, yeah. so I was talking him pretty good and you know, with all his drive going on and all that stress and commotion and running around going on, um, you know, me being a young handler, like there's a, I, when I look back on it, there's a thousand different ways I could have, I could have done this. Um, but he literally, I, I went and I hit him for like the fourth time and he like met my hand with his mouth. And like, it was like a full on, it was a full man bite. Like I, I literally like picked him up and he was like hanging off of my hand, like just like your decoys do their arms. You know what I mean? And, like, I'm picking him up and moving to the back of the stack. And it was the worst pain of my life. I was puking. And, um, you know, the PA comes up to me, and he's got a sweet fentanyl lollipop uh, that's going to take me out of pain. But he's like, hey, Mac, I really want to help you, but you got to get your dog off of you first. And I'm like, oh, fuck <laughs> me. Are you serious? Like, uh, look, all this shit going around, like, we're still can't taking contact. <laughs> the dog latched onto me in the PA. Uh, who's just a top-notch guy, uh, he's like, hey, I really want to give you this, but um, you got to get your dog off of you first. And I was like, fuck, all right. So I pinned him up against the wall, and like I said, like I palm, I started palm-smashing this dog in the nose. Um, and it took like three hard hits, but instantly, like when I let go of him and he and he got done coming off my hand, he wanted to be petted, like instantly. Like he was, he was just seeing, like, you know, and, and now that I see that, he was just seeing red. 
you know what I mean? And he was an adrenaline, and he was probably in a fight for his life at that time. Um, so, you know, he was in a fight for his life with me. And so, but I knocked him off of me, and he was like, pet me, pet me. And I was like, get, like, get away from me. And it, so it actually took me like, I would say it took me like three weeks not to be skittish about giving him food. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it left that sort of impact on me. And then right then and there, after I got bitten, I was like, all right, there's got to be an easier way to manage this dog. I mean, he's got all this drive. And me, I didn't want to like, I didn't want to train him. I didn't want to, and I knew I couldn't beat whatever he had out of him. And so I knew that the only way to manage this dog was to figure out little small things that I could do, whether it be, um, you know, using a red over later laser. Uh, to guide the dog on nighttime, having the snipers use the laser. You know what I mean? And as long as Benno would see that laser, then you knew that he was going into that opium field. You know, um, it got to the point where we were using that overt laser, snipers would go ladder up, and they were they were using that laser, and they could, like, I could send him into a compound. Then he would go and search each room following that laser. And everybody knew, like, if Benno goes in that room, there's something in there, like, it's dead. Whether it be a fucking goat, because <laughs> that's happened, um, you know, whether it be a goat or a cow or a chicken, like anything, like if it's moving and you send him loose on target, like whatever's in there is dead, is dead or you're going to be hearing it crying or X, Y, Z. There was a time you passed up, like they, they, those people left out, I say those people, but yeah, they left an infant um, behind a door. And uh, then I, <laughs> I was really, I was really, really happy that he did that, and um, I was thoroughly in the turf. The turf actually took his anger out on the female because he was like, "You said nobody was in here." I'm pretty sure that's what he was calling her, as well, and like saying to her, as, as well as many other things. But like, but I, and then I finally got to the point where, um, on his last deployment, I remember we had a lot of uh, cops, which is, you know, your Afghan police unit or your Afghan special operations people. And they were out there. There was more. They were, they, they were bringing, like, a squad out at a time. And, like, in it, like, they were kicking a squad of rangers out, and they were bringing in a squad of them for us to, like, train up for real-life training. And it was, like, their job to go like we would do call outs and it was their job to clear the houses but you know obviously if they took contact they would you know they would kind of freeze up at the time i don't know how they are now i'm sure they're equally as good as they were then um <laughs> which is saying much but um but no so you know what i mean like so i knew i, I you know i was like i know that there's going to come some point in time where my animal is going to be put in a situation where it's going to have to do a room clear or and or a um area search for man uh with these guys around close you know what i mean like obviously i would have my team of rangers around me but i knew those guys would be close and sure as shit it happened but but before then i i remember i remember looking at those guys and i was like at nighttime they look like us they have their helmets on it's night and i was like you know they have camo on just like we have camo on they're carrying the same gun they have night vision and I'm thinking in my head, and I'm like, what stands out the most? The smell. It's the fucking smell. They smell like shit and piss. Like no lie. And so I was like, <laughs> like I was like, I was like, and I was like, when I, whenever we do training, what do we do? Like we steal their clothes, and like, like we uh -oh. steal the bad guys, and we put it on our bike suit, and then the dog gets to bite that. And I was like, all right, man, like, here, this is what we need to do. So I brought him in to do a canine class, 
and we gave them a whole trash can full of Tide, like powdered Tide. And we were like, hey, look, you guys are going to wash your clothes in this. Like, you're going to smell just like us. You're going to use deodorant. And they were like, well, why? And I told them, I was like, because I don't want him to bite you. You know what I mean? I was like, I don't want him to bite you. And I was like, and I was like, let me tell you, if you smell the way you smell right now, he's gonna fucking bite you, and you're not gonna <laughs> like it. And I told him, and I was like, and I was like, and I can't afford to have one of your homies think that they can kill my dog. You know what I mean? I was like, because I will lose my mind. You know what I mean? And so they did, and you know, they start, they started, you know, showering every day, using Tide, and they took it seriously. I literally, on my last deployment, I was able to send him out on an area search with. Um, with nothing but AP, uh, with nothing but Cotty Coster uh, around me, and the dog went in there, performed flawlessly, got the bite. They were even kind of casting um, here and there. But yeah, so yeah, there you go. Um, that's how that's how that happened. I had it like there was, and, you know, and there's there's life saving situations that he's done too that just uh, made him a, a complete asset. I mean, I don't know how many times, you know, I found like found like ten thousand pounds of ammonium nitrate one night with him. Um, Damn. you know, we found, yeah, we found, we would find my, my, my best find I ever had with him was actually a blasting cap behind a, a picture frame, one blasting cap. And I was like, and to me, that's what I call my best find, you know, because like anybody, yeah. like any good dog should be able to find fucking 10, 20,000 pounds of fucking dope. You know what I mean? Like if it doesn't, then you probably need to get a new dog. Um, but something as minute as a, as a blasting cap that that's pretty cool. Um, that to, to, to me anyway, I thought it was. And then um, there was another specific mission with them where we dropped, you know, and it's, you know, I've done it in my documentaries on HBO and the History Channel um, where I talk about us dropping two hellfires onto this compound. But no, it was, uh, we landed on the Y. It was a short Y, which is, you know, it's maybe, maybe 150 meters, 200 meters <clears throat> away from the target compound. Um, we actually had to do a ramp so the, the uh, 47 pilot was able to put the ramp on to this little hillside, but it was full of shell rock. And we rolled all, we all rolled out the back of this, these helicopters. And, um, you know, instantly these bad guys come out guns a blazing and we kill six instantly. Um, we go to do the call out. Um, they answer the call out with machine gun fire. And so it was like, Roger that, let's drop it. Um, so we hit this compound with like two hellfires. This place is like completely dilapidated. Like there is nothing left. It's just like Lake situation. You know what I mean? It's almost like the like same cut and story of uh, of Lake. And um, you know, you look at it and you're like, well, you know, one and one of the squad leaders goes, hey man, like after the dust has settled and we had like cleared and got up to the compound and like did a battle damage assessment and realized that the co- the compound was pretty messed up. Um, and we were going to move men up to it. Uh, we started like moving men up to it. And the squad leader's like, Hey man, I can hear a guy and he's in there. He's in there talking. And their dude was in there talking, trying to see if any of his other homeboys were alive and they weren't. Um, and we found out shortly that they weren't alive. Um, he was the only one left. And so, you know, uh, we did, you know, we did a lot of different things. We tried, um, we tried hunking grenades in there. Um, we tried everything. And we knew that we, and at the end, we knew that there was a bad guy in there. Um, now, you know, it came, it, it came across my head because I, I love the platoon I'm working with. And I've been on so many deployments with those men. I didn't want to see anybody get hurt. 
that they they requested and i was you know it was my last and i had really good reports so they were like hey trent how do you feel about sending benno in there and i said not without assaulters you know what i mean i was like i'll send him in there all day long if you put americans in there and they were like got it you know what i mean and that platoon had already grown a lot of love and a lot of respect for benno and everything else and so you know boom i throw i throw benno in there benno's on camera I, at that point in time, I literally would just give my monitor to uh, to the PL, the, the the captain, and if the captain saw anything, he'd just come over the comms and be like, "Hey, you got something? You know, there's something in there." Da 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 da. I didn't. I just didn't want a bright ass monitor on my kit um, if I was going in there and doing something crazy. Like the the captain already had enough bright shit all around him with antennas and everything else. That you know, what's one more, what's one more thing in his hand? <laughs> uh, you know what I mean, or one more thing around him. And so, you know, I handed, you know, I handed it off and um, I go in there, like, you know, they sent, sent them in there. Um, I'm probably like the second guy in there, second or third guy in there. I forgot. Uh, we get in there and all of a sudden, like this guy, there's this guy he's screaming, like, you know, he's, he's screaming and he's like, he's in shock also because he just got hit with two hellfires and multiple grenades. And he's like literally in the part of the house there that is, there's no obstruction. Like there's like, it's like the whole, like, the, like this part of the house is standing on the interior. You know what I mean? And um, it was pretty impressive that, that that he didn't get blown away. It was actually like he was, you know, I guess it was a miracle that he got to live for a couple more minutes. Um, but, yeah, so we, we sent Benno in there. My salters are in there. We're doing our thing. We're moving through really, really slowly. Um, and, you know, we're moving through there slowly. And then all of a sudden we hear screaming. And uh, the squad leader, cut. he pies off. And he's like, oh, shit. And uh, you hear, you know, with the suppressor and then, you know, I was, I came over there and I'm like, Hey man, like what, what just happened? He goes, dude, Benno. And like Benno still has a hold of this man's hand, this arm and in his arm is an AK. And so, you know, what's going to like a 95 pound malnourished, you know, Afghan militant terrorist uh, is no match for a, well nutrition and full of hate, uh, eighty five pound Benno, <laughs> and so Benno pretty much overpowered that arm, um, and uh, he couldn't pick up his AK to shoot him, and um, you know like and the assaulters were able to kind of run in through there, and it was like it couldn't have been any more perfect, man. You know what I mean? Like that, it could have gone so many ways wrong that day, um, for Benno, for me, for the assault force, and it and it didn't by like by a stroke of you know by a stroke of luck. Or, you know, I don't know wherewithal. I don't I don't fucking know what it is. But um but yeah. And pin pin that dude's arm down and we were able to smoke him. So yeah, I had like I had a lot of good I have a lot of good stories like that with that dog. Um you know, most of them are really, really, really good. And then um obviously, you know, the the, the worst one is him getting shot in the head, uh, on my birthday. Um, which, you know, it, we we did everything right. Um the assault force did everything right. We, you know, it was one of those situations. We had landed on the Y again. We had we had what we call a starburst, which is we had four combatants move. They just, I'm not going to call them combatants right now. I'm just going to call them runners or squirters because at the time we didn't know that they were combatants. Um, and so they ran. I got the first bite. The guy didn't have a gun. He didn't have a weapon or nothing. Um, and then I had to move clear. I had to move like, like across like probably 200 meters to get the next bite i got the next bite and then as i moved to go get my um my third bite uh that you know you could tell like there was like a, a wadi or what what us in america would call like a drainage canal um 
you know, something that you see like out there on the farms out, you know, out west uh, or, you know, down down in your southern, southernmost western state, um, these big irrigation ditches. And so, you know, ISR had a hard time finding the guy. That's the, uh, that's the platform. That's the eyes in the sky. And so what I'd always do is, you know, you're going to use your sensors to your best advantage, especially with your canine. And so I would ask my JTAC, hey, where, where was this guy's last known position? Like, can you, can they sparkle it? And so, you know, that's what you call for. And so, boom, they sparkled this dude's last known position or where, wherever he went in at. And you can clearly see, you know, when you get up there, you know, the dog starts keying up already. Like, he can smell the odor. He can smell the fear scent and all the pheromones and the stinkiness and, you know, probably his footprints and everything else. But, it, you know, he's over there and he's already, like, really, really amped up. And I'm like, all right, like, all right, tell him to sparkle off. So they sparkled off. I sent him in there. We had to go through this irrigation channel. And you guys know, like, what briars are, right? Like, briar patches and shit like yeah. that. So this is, that's, oh, like, yeah. that's kind of like what we were going through. Like, some fucking, like, really, really thick, dense um, underbrush. But it wasn't, like, some of it was thorny and some of it wasn't. And, um, you know, I'm watching Benno's little IR flasher on his back the whole time. And I can see him, like, nose, like, nose to the ground and air sending a lot. And then I boom, boom. And then all of a sudden you see him make that 90 degrees. And right when he makes that 90 degree, I'm like, we got him. You know what I mean? And that's what I would say every time. I was like, oh, yeah, we got him now. Um, and that's really cool to see if, if you guys or, or your viewers have never seen it is like watching a dog work under nods with like an IR beacon on him. It is like probably the neatest thing to me in my eyes, like in the world. There's nothing that gets me off more than that. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so, so he like, he does like, he like does a beeline to this dude. So can bite some, you know, most of the time, and, you know, nine times out of ten, every guy that has, that Benno's ever bitten, um, the dude is screaming. He's screaming and, and or he's screaming and telling on his whole family. Like, yes, they, yes, they're all terrorists. I don't know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like, and they're, mm-hmm. all, they're little Afghan voices because they're all innocent, right? So this, But this guy's not screaming. And I'm like, man, this guy must be really high on heroin. You know what I mean? Like, this guy must be lit right now. And then I start thinking, like, as we start getting closer and things start breaking up and then you start getting, like, this little open space to where this guy's at, you start to see that he's actually, like, wrestling with the dog. Like, him and this dog are in a fight, which I've – that was the first time that I've ever seen a guy do that. Um, and then at that point in time, like, like right as I grew up, and I'm pretty sure the rest of my buddies grew up, like, we were, we were fixing to go ahead and canoe this guy – we heard like two muffled bah, bah, like little nine mil um, pops. And uh, you know what I mean? And then everybody just hosed this dude down um, right after that happened. And uh, you know what, uh, you know what I mean? Like we went up there and like, after that, like there's, you know, there's nothing you can do after that. It was just one of those, one of those fucking really, really shitty situations. And um, you know, but I mean, did he, did he do his, did he do his friggin' job? Yeah, he did. And I'm really, really proud of him for that. And, um, and honestly, I think with that dog, um, you know, he would have, he would have hated dying of old age. You know what I mean? He was like, and I, you know, I hate to say that I've there's probably some really hardcore animal lovers, um, on your, on your cast that are, that are, um, going to be mad about that, but he deserved to die like a warrior, um, and the warrior that he was. And, um, I'm just really, I'm, I'm honored to be able to call him my, my, my hero, um, my friend, uh and my ranger buddy um and I, you know what i mean and i'm honored to be able to walk uh into the footsteps and be his handler 
You know what I mean? Because that dog, that dog taught me so much, and he's he was the whole reason why I was like, hey, I can I can get I can do this training thing. I can train these dogs. Like if I can train if I can manage this dog, and I can train and I can do this that and the other with like the worst dog that got kicked out of fucking Iraq, um, that nobody wanted, um, you know, that people thought was a waste, and no and like no handler wanted them. There were senior handlers that were like, yeah, we don't want that dog. Um, yeah, give him to Trent. And so. You know what I mean? Like he was the, he was the whole reason why I got in there, and, and they even had a great name, nickname for us. It was uh, Team Rocky here, because they because <laughs> they, like, they, like, they were like they were like yeah, Trent has the shoulders to handle Benno. <laughs> he's got he's got he's yeah. got the shoulders to handle. Him. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's Benno in a nutshell, man. Awesome. His story is freaking great, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey Byron, so two questions for you, real quick. Um, if you're on, if you're on Trent's team, um, and he's trying to, how hard is it for, for him to convince a guy like you to use overt lasers? Like, he's like, Oh, don't worry. Trust me. We're going to overt laser. This dog will be fucking great. And this, you know, for those, a lot of people don't know, that's not very common. Um, would that have taken a lot? No, I mean, it's one of those things for me, for, from from an assaulter's point of view, um, and and some of this may not be very, because now it's like back then, you don't know what you don't know. I was not like back then. I was not a dog handler. I was purely an assaulter. Um, just uh, seeing it done, it would have to be something that I would have had to have trained with. And if Trent was on my team and I knew Trent and Trent looked at me and Trent, we've been in situations already um, with a lot of the stuff we've been doing over the past year where Trent looks at me and he's like, trust me. And it's one of those like blindly going Roger. And I'm going, Oh shit, what's going to happen? <laughs> you know, cause we all know Trent and it's like, Oh shit. Like whatever's about to happen, it's going to be good. And I hope someone's got a camera rolling because it's only happening once, you know, and I probably <laughs> would be like, <laughs> I would probably be apt to say, yes, I would. But in a tactical environment, depending on the geographic location, what does the enemies have? What is their situational awareness? You know, there's a lot of factors that go in. And for me to sit here and go either absolutely yes or absolutely not, it's it's hard for me to say, but knowing what I do know now, I would have to say yes, I would. Um, you know, being 36 years old um, and where I'm at tactically, um, I would say yes, I would. Obviously, because if if you're sending a dog, the element of surprise is gone. There is no element of surprise anymore. You're sending that dog in and they know you're there. Uh, the dog is a tool to keep our dudes safe. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, that's what all canines are for. As much as every, all of us sort of love dogs and we love um, our animals, they are there to protect us. They are a tool that is used um, and... You know, I would personally have a problem as an assaulter saying, hey, we're going to use a laser 
to send the dog to the breach and the dog's going to go do its thing, you know? Um, and now what we, with the, with the ability to utilize, um, video surveillance and see what the dog is seeing and audio and all the things that we have and the capabilities that we have now with the dogs, I'd even be more comfortable with it because you really, you don't lose, there's really not a lack of or a loss of control, if you will. You know what I mean? The, the, and, the, and, and the dog is there to act as a barrier and a buffer. Uh, for the assault Correct. force, um, essentially, essentially the dog's there to, to, and I hate to say it, but the dog's there to die if he needs to die. Um, and he's, you know, that's why, you know, we say we're the tip of the spear and all this other stuff, and and we're hard and everything else. But um, at the end of the day, if there's a shitty situation going on in a room or a tunnel or uh, out in an open area or wooded area, the first thing that's going in there is a dog. Um, and then, you know, and then also like what Byron's saying, um, and just, you know, and I hate to, I don't mean to run all over you on this, uh, or take anything away, Byron, but, um, the dog has a camera on its back and I don't know if there's any sensor the United States Air Force or government has that can give you a clear essay of what's going on inside of a house and give you, you know what I mean? And give you like what, what Byron was saying, like audible feedback and you know what I mean? Hey, the dog's sitting here barking and you have a camera out. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no drone. There's no air asset. There's nothing in the sky that can say, Hey, you know, I can see what's going on inside that house from up above uh, with a roof on it. And I can see that your dog is sitting there and barking um, at a false wall or you know what I mean? All this other stuff. But that dog can provide all that and give you intelligent feedback. Um, you know, uh, you know, you, people can say, well, we can put a robot in there. Yeah, but a robot's not going to give you that feedback. You know what I mean? That robot's not going to give you, hey, man, that's what's going on in that tunnel right here. You know what I mean? Like, hey, there's, you know, right. there's there's two holes. And, you know, what's down, what's down the left hole, what's down the right hole? Well, the dog's going to pick the, you know, he's going to pick the hole that has the most odor coming out of it, a bad guy, you know, and, um, and, and that's the hole that he's going to go to. So there's no guessing, you know what I mean? Like if the dog, like if the dog says it's there and there's something going on there nine times out of 10 and, and you know, it's a good dog, then there's probably something there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I agree. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I got one more question for Byron before we go to our commercial break. So, when the handler tells a story about oh. his dog biting one of the bros in the ass or oh. anything like that, it's oftentimes it's like, well, so, you know, see this, you know, what as the bro of the gut handler, what is the real story? <laughs> right. And so <laughs> the personally, like my, my, I look at things, from a perspective of now as a handler. So when I hear something like this, so when I'm dealing with clients and I'm dealing with people and problems, it's the first thing I think of is what did that person do to create that, that environment for the dog to do that? Um, you know, um, but I can see like, and the thing is, is like, I wasn't there. Um, be able to like see that but i know and knowing trent and knowing how benno was and all the stories it's that dog is essentially 
freaking young team leader, newly tabbed right out of Ranger School. He's got his own fire team, and he's freaking, you know, 18 going into the freaking room, right? And that's and that was his mentality. And and by that description, I mean this dude is on fire. This dog is ready. He wants to fuck someone up. It wants to nuke somebody. And it's like looking at him. It's looking at him, and it's getting it's getting antsy. And the dog's like, you know. Oh well, this is the closest thing to me right now, and I want to I want to eat something right now, and I can just see it latching on the dude that's cock, you know, out of irritation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I and to me, like just from an assaulter's point of view, <laughs> all the dudes are lined up on the door. There's the dog handler. That entire scene of my head, and then just seeing this dog just reach over and just bite this dude on the ass just makes me just giggle inside and laugh because um, we've all been bit on the ass. We all know what it feels like. It doesn't feel good and he's not no. down, but you know, and he's still combat effective, but I just think it just makes me laugh. Just be like, like why you got blood on your ass, bro. And him being like, shut the F up, bro. You know, as he's walking off objective with this bloody ass, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> He shouldn't have put his ass in the dog's mouth, is my opinion. I just hear fucking Chris Farley going, what'd you do? <laughs> right, right. Like, like my buddy who got, um, you know, I wasn't Benno's handler at the time, but my buddy, when I was an assaulter, he got, like I told you, like Benno literally chipped, like chipped one of his main canines off on my, on my buddy's kneecap. Um, and this guy is a giant of a man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he got 25% disability for that when he got out of the army. Wow. Strictly for for that, because he had to have like some, you know, some, some small knee surgery or whatnot. And, um, you know, to this day, anytime I see him, he's like, he's like, your fucking dog fucking bit me, bro. Like, <laughs> you know, because it took him out of that hole to push. You know what I mean? So he's super salty about it. And and for the handler, it's a shitload of paperwork. And it's so much of a write-up. It's not like it's not like something that, that happens and you get to just kind of walk away from it and laugh. Like, it's like, fuck, man. Like, fuck. And not only that, but if, like, shit like that happens, nobody wants to use you. You know what I mean? And, like, yeah, it's like nobody right. even wants you around. Like, nobody even wants you in the fucking chow hall. You know what I mean? They're like, get the fuck away from me, back. We hate you. We hate your dog. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's probably, that's probably, <laughs> awesome. that's, that's HRD, great. HRD, anytime you hear Eric and I be like, fuck that dog. That's exactly what's going on. <laughs> oh, my God. I can, you can see it. Uh, I can tell. And so can my Eric. Like, swivel. I, oh yeah. I jump back. They're like, he's fine. I'm like, I ain't getting back. Like, <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No kidding. All right. So we're going to go ahead and take a commercial break. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about, um, Another famous dog and a pretty funny story involving a cow. Um, Stick around, guys. This is one. This is one of these episodes. I wish we were all sitting in the same room, but uh, yeah, um, here we are. So go ahead and take a commercial break. We'll be right back. Don't skip through the commercials. Right, Highland Canine in Harmony, North Carolina, offers offers training, seminars, consulting globally for police, military, and non-government agencies. They provide customized training programs to address specific problems and meet the needs of your organization. Check out their wide array of handler courses, instructor courses, supervisor courses, and online courses. Ted, where can they find them? Uh, you can find them at tacticalpolicecanine training.com. 
The canine is letter K number nine. It's no secret that we love Ray Allen canine equipment. We use their products every single day at the kennel. Their mission statement says it all. To be a world leader in the quality and innovation of professional canine equipment for police, military, Schutzen, and ring sport, to ex- and to exceed our customers' expectations and deliver on time every time at a fair price. We full-heartedly believe that they've held true to that since it is our go-to one-stop shop for everything canine. You don't have to be a police officer or a military handler. They cover everything all the way down to pets. They have literally everything but the dog and the car. Um, so, Eric, where can you find them, and how can you get a discount? Uh, we love those guys, man. RayAllen.com is the website. Be sure to add Working Dog Radio for 10% off the discount code. Yeah, go check out their decoy armor, too. We really like that at HRD. We get it. Fueling a working dog can be tough, but they need that high-quality food to give them the energy and nutrients that they require for the work we ask them to do. Kinetic Dog Food has a great balance of healthy meats and grains and is made specifically for working and sporting dogs. They have a full line of foods and supplements available, and they've been working to perfect their line with thousands of dogs and hundreds of departments across the U.S. And you can buy it locally or online at Tractor Supply, and they're also great people. Ted, where can people find them? You can get them at kineticdogfood.com or online uh, or at Tractor Supply, like Eric just said. One thing that's really cool about them is if you contact them via the phone, they'll walk you through what you're feeding now and the difference of what their uh, what their food will and to make suggestions on what you need. But uh, fantastic stuff for sure. Hit them up, kineticdogfood.com. Another one of our favorite partnerships is with the one and only Dogtra. These guys are producing some amazing tools in the dog training world. Everything from e-collars, GPS tracking, ball training, If it's electronic, Dogtra is the best. They are truly revolutionizing the way you communicate with your dog. And I'm telling you, folks, the Dogtra YS600 Bark Collar is the best on the market. It will change your life. Ted, tell them where to find them, how to get a discount. Yep. Head over to Dogtra.com. Use the discount code WDR10 to get 10% off any single item over 200 bucks. Uh, yeah, you love the YS600, I love the ball droppers, and I love the 1900 hands-free. All of my dual-purpose dogs head out the door with those bad boys. Looking for a reputable canine kennel for dog sales and training services or green dog? Located in sunny New Smyrna, Florida, Southern Coast Canine provides services worldwide from purchasing your next singular dual-purpose working dog, finished dog, or green dog to handler courses and seminars. Southern Coast is a great resource, so check them out. They've got everything covered. Eric, where can we find them? Uh, we can find them at southerncoastk9.com, the letter K, number 9.com. We'll tell you this, folks. Ted and I see a lot of Southern Coast dogs when we're doing HRD seminars, and they're bangers, every one of them. Check True them story. out, southerncoastk9.com. Ever dreamed of having your own kennel but don't know where to start? Horizon Structures has taken all of the guesswork out of building a kennel. Everything is pre-built to your specification preferences and then assembled and dropped off on your lamb. Boom, new kennels. That day, you move them in that right that day. It's insane how awesome those things are. And these things are amazing. You've got to see them to truly believe them. Ted, talk about it. Let's see it. Yep. Horizonstructures.com forward slash commercial dash dog dash kennels. Or just look them up at horizonstructures.com or give them a call 1-888-447-4337. And you can move the dogs right in the day it's delivered. Plug and play. 
All right, we are back. I hope you guys didn't skip through the commercials. Um, we are back uh, with uh, Trent and Byron. Uh, we got the multiple stories of Man Dog Benno, um, you know, and uh, how how, <laughs> how Trent <laughs> convinced the team yeah. <laughs> that he should be integrated. And they ended up inviting one of the team leaders on the ass. But that's what Eric says. So HRD all the time. We're like, who? Who, who here bites cops? And people kind of reluctantly raise a hand and he's like, ah, fuck them. Good. <laughs> they're in there when they're in the, they're in the way. Um, so, <laughs> um, after, so after Benno, um, what ended up happening? How did we get to, um, Leica, which is another, um, uh, one of the dogs that, um, people probably recognize the name or if you don't, they don't know. I mean, I'm sure they'll recognize her once we describe who she is. So, yeah. Um, Okay, so Benno died. Um, I I rolled with his body over to uh, Kandahar the very next day. Um, well, I'm sorry, not Kandahar, Bath. Um, was it Bath? Yeah, it was Bath. I know, right? It's so it's TBI. Um, but yeah, went to uh, yeah went to Bath. Um, got to Bath, and um, uh, that's where our kennel was for our spare dog. And so. You know, I had I had the choice between two dogs. I literally dropped Benno off at the morgue, um, dropped Benno off at the morgue, and then uh, for him to for him to be cremated, and then um, went to the kennel instantly to go find out who my new dog was going to be. Um, and I was like, let me tell you, this like at this point in time, I just like talk about no fucks given. Um, like I just kind of walked in there, and in my head, I'm like, I'm picking out the first thing that's going to save my life. You know what I mean? Because like that's that's the way I'm thinking at this point in time. Like, this well, is yeah, my that's last the thing. Movie. Like, we've interviewed you know? police handlers that have had dogs that have been killed, and you know, there's a there's a lull, right? Like, you got to select the dog and train it up. Your guys' tempo doesn't slow down. Like, I mean, no. Unfortunately, no. it's you know, like no. you said, it's one of those deals. Like, you know, if a dog goes down, if he's injured or if he's killed, the operational tempo doesn't slow down. Your shit's planned out already, and they, you guys have got to be there, like. You gotta, like you said, pick the new dog out and, and head back. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, and, and literally that's how that's how that whole thing went. So like, I literally I walked through the kennel and there was a dog named Rico, who like you know Rico's Rico. We had him for like you know three years already. He'd done multiple deployments. Um, nothing really too impressive that made me be like, oh yeah, I think I like Rico. Um, and then we had Leica, and um, you know Leica was the type of dog that uh, whenever you came in the kennel in the morning. She would like, I'm pretty sure, like the, our big kennel down at Regiment, I'm pretty sure she would wait for the light because she shared a kennel right next to Benno's. And I'm sure she, I was like, she, she would wait until I hit the lights because I was always like the first one there in the morning. And then she would shit in the middle of the floor and skate around me. <laughs> like, yes. just skate around me like a psychopath. <laughs> you know like what I mean? Like, 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 oh, Lego, that's really cute. Like, you drew stick figures for me on the wall. <laughs> like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, and so I go in there and I look at her and I'm like, I'm looking at her and she's got like these big old like eye popping. Like, we haven't even done anything yet, Leica. Like, I just lost my dog and like, I'm just staring at this dog and I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll take her. Like, I'll take that one. <laughs> and then Royal's like, yeah, I'm mm -hmm. sorry, my, uh, my, my, my trainer, he's all like, um, he's like, are you sure? And at the time she had just like, she had literally just turned one and she wasn't like, she wasn't finished yet. Like, she... We were we were gonna give her that whole 
you know, that whole deployment of not having a handler um, for, you know, for our head trainer to like, you know, train up and take to like different outposts and stuff like that and, you know, get different bites and stuff like that with her just on, you know, and she'd never really even been on target. And, um, uh, and they told me like, you know, like she had some issues with helicopters, uh, not wanting to get in them and like kind of getting aggressive towards them and stuff like that. Um, you know, essentially she hadn't been, you know, she'd kind of been thrown, thrown to the fire, uh, thrown in the fire. And so I saw her and like, by me walking in and like her being so excited just to like, like just, just be breathing. Like she would just be like, you know, like we hadn't even went out and played ball or anything like that. And so I took her out of the kennel and uh, I started playing fetch with her. And uh, like, she did everything with just so much uh, tenacity and intensity that I was like, she might be dumb enough to die for me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, I hate to say that, but in my head, I'm like, she might be, she might be dumb enough to die for me. Um, so I was like, I look like I grabbed her and then, you know, I was like, Hey, I'll take her. And the literally the next, the, the next thing smoking, um, I was back, I was back, back home. Um, and I hadn't even gotten an opportunity to clean the blood, Benno's blood off my kit. Um, and I was throwing a kit back on and taking this dog, uh, out on target. Um, and so, you know, and what's crazy is like, I only ran six ops with her. Um, I ran six missions with her. Um, and what she did, she got a really good dead, uh, two dead prey bites, um, up on, up on top of a mountain after a, um, after Apache had smoked them with their cannon, um, I think they're 40 mic mic or they're 40 millimeter. I forgot what they have on the front of that thing, but um, but yeah, like smoked these two dudes, um, and then we sent we sent her literally up the mountain using using a laser. She ran all the way up like, and this was like steep. Like she ran all the way up there, engaged them, and started like trying to drag their bodies back down. And that's when like that's when we had to go up there and like you know pull her off strong. And, um, you know, we got her out of there. And then on that, uh, on that same mission, you know, we were like down in like this riverbed area and there was like this little outpost shack, like this, just a little shack, you know, and you'll find that everywhere in that country, especially when you're out in the middle of nowhere. And then it was like made out of mud. And, um, I was like, Hey, look, you know, I put the camera up and, you know, we, you know, we're like, Hey, we're going to send the dog in there and send the assault team in there. And I, I go to try to send her into this shack and she like hit the brakes. She's like, I am not going in there. I am not going in there. And I remember I had to set her up for failure by grabbing a tennis ball, amping her up with a tennis ball and throwing the tennis ball in there. And I was like, and I remember thinking to myself, like, this is not the way this should be. Um, and that was one of the main things that really frustrated me. But like this little one room shack or one person shack, like it had to be cleared. And like in my head, I was like, I'm not going to have one of my homeboys die for this new dog. You know, and so. Um, and so I did that and I was like, she went in there and I remember thinking to myself the whole time and I got her back. I remember just thinking like, this ain't right. I've never had to do this before. Um, this is an issue that needs to be corrected. You know what I mean? And this was all within the first mission. Um, and then, uh, so we came back to the camp and I had a few days due to weather and we had like a little shoot house on camp and all we did was work, um, decoy, a decoy in the house and we worked the decoy around, um, around the house, you know what I mean? So we can start getting her to flow and move and figure out that like, you know, the, the big bad wolf is not in that house and that, you know what I mean? You can get a lot of success, um, off of it, 
uh, but you know, by finding them in like different different spaces and different corners of different rooms, and you know what I mean, and and getting her around dark, like you know what I mean, getting her inside of dark houses and stuff like that, because I don't think that's something that she had ever even had an opportunity to be trained on because she was so new to all of it. Um, and we had taken her as a green dog. So we were, us us rangers um, and our trainer, he was doing all the training. And, you know, it was just one of those things where I, I asked for the dog after Benno and they gave me him. Or, I'm not, I mean, yeah, I asked for Leica after Benno and they just gave me Leica um, because they knew that if, hey, that if somebody was going to be give her a fair and honest assessment, and would be a good handler towards her. Because I remember my trainer looked at me and he said, he said, I know you're going to take her to the next level. He was like, I know you're going to dirty her up. I know you're going to take her to the next level. And, um, you know, and so, like, I came back and, you know, we started working the night in the in the rooms and stuff like that. And then, um, and then uh, what was it? It was like, we had a couple more missions. We had, like, another mission where she actually found, and this was a really good one, she found a, um, she found a sealed AK-47 um, round box full of AK-47 rounds that were, like, dug into the side of a, like, drainage canal. Like, I don't know how long they've been sitting there. You know what I mean? But, like, EOD had to come over and dig them out. Like, they, that was, like, like she, like, I just had her off leash, like, just kind of letting her run around, let, giving my hips a break from that hip leash, you know? And I was just kind of cut her loose and let her go do her thing. And, like, she, like, she, like I saw her hit. She hit over and like she stopped and she sat and I was like, Oh, everybody freeze. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> that's a that's a like like that's a that's a shit with conviction. Like there's fucking something there. I don't know what it is. Um and so like I call her back to me and like she wouldn't come back to me. She just was like, Fuck that. I'm worth my ball. And so like I had to you know, at that time we were training him, I had to like roll the ball over there and I was like, Please God, don't blow up. Like, I'm going to throw this ball. <laughs> Please fucking God, don't be so <laughs> I got her the ball. There's no such thing and... as dog tread draw, ball droppers back then, you know? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we didn't have that, you know what I mean? And, like, that method wasn't being used, you know? <laughs> the, the, hey, it's okay to get paid over here for explosives. Uh, so, yeah, I was like, fuck, like, you know, so I, like, got her got her, her reward. She came back to me. Um, they checked, and it was, like, a sealed uh, container full of uh, 200 AK rounds. And I was just like, mm. I was like, all right, girl, you, I'm sold on you. <laughs> like, what's up? Like, you know what I mean? You dragged some dead bodies. Now you got two uh, AK rounds and then um, 200 AK rounds. And then uh, and then on um, on a funny mission, um, you know, we got her comfortable to rooms. Like I said, I only ran six missions with her. So, um, you know, that, that was just two of them right there. So that, that'll let you know, like, how much kind of action we were getting in that area. And we had just lost Benno also. So, I mean, we were getting into skirmishes damn near every night. So, um, you know, I couldn't afford to have, like, a crappy dog. Um, and my platoon couldn't either. And so my platoon started growing a lot of trust for her. And um, I sent her into a room. Sent her into a room one night, and there was like cow, a cow in there, and she latched onto the side of a cow. And I remember, like, I remember sitting there, and I was like, "Yeah, we have a situation because, like, if you know anything about, like, when I see a room, it's not like your typical room in your house. Like, and I don't know why they had this cow, like, pretty much in the basement of their house, uh, probably to kill it and eat it soon. Um, but I mean, I did that, and then like, but like, it was literally you don't have a cow, you don't you you don't have a cow at your place, Trent. I have no, one I don't, here. Like, no, it's, you know what I mean? It's not my basement. It's just fucking hanging out. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? So, so <laughs> Lego Life is on this fucking cow, and this cow is literally is leaning. Like, this is a fucking cow. Like, it's leaning and has all this body weight on Leica and just walking up and down this wall. Like, up and down this wall. And I remember, like, I'm like, hey, you know, platoon sergeant, this is a canine. Um, I won't, I won't r- r- like, rip out call signs or anything like that because I'm sure they still use them. But I was like, hey, platoon sergeant, this is canine. I need you. And he was like, what's going on? And I was like, I need you for a face-to-face. Because, like, because like, like, whatever, whatever I'm fixing to talk to you about, I don't want to put it over the net. You know what I mean? So if I like that, so that was my big thing. I was like, hey, I, I need you for a face-to-face. It was like, all right, well, Trent, Trent, Trent either has something or he's done something wrong. <laughs> so, so, uh, so he comes over there and he's like, what's up, buddy? And I'm like, I shined my white light in there for my rifle and I was like, that's what's up. And he was like, can you get her off? And I was like, no. And he was like, if you, he was like, he was like, can you go in there and try to get the cow? And I was like, how am I supposed to pull her off off strong with a cow when she latched to a cow? I'm like, I'm trying to figure this out. And he looked at me and he was like, you think we should kill her? And I was like, yeah, I was waiting for you to, I was waiting for you to come up with that option uh, there for Super Sergeant. And he was like, okay, cool, cool, yeah, yeah, go ahead and kill her. And, I mean, he was like, yeah, go, go ahead and kill the cow. And I was like, perfect. You know what I mean? But I was like, I let, I feel like I let him come up with that idea. You know what I mean? I was like, I was like, right. no, 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 I can't do her off. Uh, I can't do that. I just started limiting his options. And then he was like, yeah, just go ahead and kill the cow. Because anytime you killed anything that you weren't supposed to on a target, you know, you're paying um, for it. Yeah, you're paying for it with American money. Physically, like, hey, like, yeah, yeah, and they and they love it. They're like, hell yeah, you feel like like you kill fucking grandma. Now now we get now we get a hundred bucks. You know what I mean? Like it's sick, dude. But that's the way they think. Um, you know, and so we killed the cow, and really, in in all actuality, cows. Uh, besides a military age male, I think they cost the most. I think children, women, and, and, and seniors are like the lowest money that you have to pay. And that was, the, I want to say that's the Afghani government that came up with those rules. But like cows and men, you got to pay a lot of money to them. Um, you know what I mean? If they accidentally die or something like that. So anyway. And then the final mission is a lot like um, how the the how I'm going to describe to you how um, Benno's uh, Benno's mission was, where he like pinned down that dude with the AK. You know, same thing. It was a long Y. We landed probably 100, maybe 200 meters away from the target compound. Um, we roll up. We uh we do a call out. All like. All these women come out. All these children come out. We start talking, like we start talking to the lady. The lady's upset. She is physically upset. Not at us. She's upset because three people just made fourth century in her house at midnight with guns. And she's like, she's telling, like she's telling the turf, and like the turf's trying to relay it to us. And that was like the first time that's ever happened. Like in my whole nine deployments that, that that's or eight deployments that that's ever happened. That I was like. Oh damn! Like she's straight, like bad boys, bad boys. Like she is angry, and she's narking on these terrorists, like flat out. And um, we're like, all right, Roger, that they have guns, huh? And they're like, yeah, 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 they have guns. They were like, the ladies, like, no, they all have guns. Like they all have guns. They all have chest racks. Like they scared our the old ladies. Like they, they scared my family. You know? And she was like, she was like, thank you. Well, we're so glad you guys are here. Please take care of this. And we're like, freedom. Don't worry. We got this. 
um, we try to call these dudes back out of, of the house pretty much like, hey, you, this is us. We thug, like we know you're in there with AKs. Come out with your hands up and nothing will happen to you. Well, we get answered with, and then it's like, then we look, we look back at the, uh, the, the dude who did all this, the tactical questioning looks at the Turk and he was like, you ask that lady to count up all these children right now and make sure that she has all these children. And like, you make sure she, she does a head count. Let's white light them. Let's make sure we got all innocent bodies out of that house. And she did it. She confirmed it. He was like, I need her to confirm it one more time. She confirmed it one more time. And, like, the, I remember, like, the PL looking at the platoon sergeant. He was like, we're, we're bombing the shit out of this. And so we pulled back. We pulled back, and we dropped it once again to uh, two Hellfires. From an Apache came in, hit it, like, smokes this house. This house looks like, you know, I mean, these, you know, when I mean, when you're made with, like, fucking 25 years of shit mud, like, they, you'd be surprised how well they can withstand blasts and stuff like that. But, I mean, this, I mean, this house gone i mean it had like a straw roof on it made out of mud and i mean it was just like those those two hellfires like looking at it even looking at it today i remember thinking to myself like there ain't no way nothing's alive in there and i was like this is gonna be perfect in my head i'm already like and i know this is bad but in my head i'm already switched into a training mode and i'm like all right like fuck there's nobody alive in here we do a call out again nothing do another call out nothing um, we're like, Roger that, let's push to assault. We move up there to assault. I'm already prepping Lake because I already know what the deal is. Um, an explosion just went off, so there's there's going to be no use for the camera. You know what I mean? There's going to be too much dust uh, at the time. There's going to be too much shit, so we're not even going to use that. Not only that, but that camera had a – the camera we were using at the time had a really big issue. Like if the dog turned, the, the light coming off that IR would blind the assault force like completely blind them. And I didn't want the assault force going into a house with a camera on um, with, with Laker because I didn't want anybody to be blinded. Well, so once again, we go up there. It's like, it's a dark house. Listen, we're jazzing Lake up. My buddy has a grenade. He, und- he undoes the grenade. Once again, like we're managing Laker to get into, into houses and it's still fairly new. So this is perfect. Like he shows, he shows her the grenade, kind of looks like a ball, muzzle off. He throws it, boom, we count back down, uh, fucking eight, five, or eight, seven, six, five, four, skadoom, like, you know, one, skadoom. Uh, grenade goes off, insulin, and the grenade goes off. I release Lega into the house. Lega gets released into the house, um, and then I hop in. I want to say I was third in the stack that day, but I hop in the stack, and uh, we start clearing, and you, you know what I mean? We're clearing nods down. And so, and we're clearing via IR, IR light, which is like, you know, your, your, your laser pointers that are on your weapon. Um, and so we're clearing and we're collapsing down and it's still really like, like you can still smell the explosives from the bomb and the grenade. And, um, you know, there's like a fire going on, you know, in the left side and, and whatnot. And then all of a sudden, like I see Blake's IR strobe and it's flashing. Dude, after I've collapsed down onto my, my, my uh, my first point of domination, and I go to my second point of domination, um, which is Leica. Uh, I see that like Leica has what appears to be uh, a man that's that's missing his fucking leg. Like he's missing his leg from like his shin down, like mid shin down. And I'm like, all right, fuck, perfect. Like this is a great time for me to train this dog. So I put my I put the weapon 
uh, my weapon. I had like a sling on it or whatever. I just dropped it, and because now I need to get fucking two hands on this dog. And as I go up to grab her ears uh, to like you know like work her into the bite and like kind of really get her nasty um, on this uh, on this you know dead combatant, uh, the dude comes back alive. Dope. And uh, it, like whether he was knocked out from the the concussion of the 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 um the hellfires or he was you know what I mean just in shock from being bit but um he came back to life and he was laying on his AK <laughs> and he just kind of had it up yeah and he just kind of had it up and angled and he like let off like six controlled shots wow. about wow. at the third shot like fucking I I dropped Lake and fucking pretty much ran to a fucking pile of rubble and grabbed my e-collar and I was like fuck and I remember my platoon sergeant runs over there to me and I'll never forget I was so close to the, that AK that I could feel the heat coming off of it and the flash was just drowning out my nods and like each time I heard a pow I was like I'm dead pow I'm dead pow I'm dead and like so I just dropped Lake up you know what I mean? She still latched onto this bite. I let go of her. I fall back. My platoon sergeant meets me at this pile of rubble, and he's like, are you shot? And I remember I looked at him, and I was like, I don't know. And he goes, what do you mean you don't know? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, like, I love lamp. Like, my adrenaline is going so hard right now. I'm trying to just fucking break down and figure out what the fuck just happened right there. Um, you know what I mean? And so he starts doing blood sweeps on me. So, like, he's, like, raking his hands through my kit and, like, checking me up. And, like, he's like, no, you're good. And about this all happens, like, within, like, a split second pretty much. Like, within two, three seconds, all these things have already gone on. Like, this wasn't anything that was that was, uh, that was was a slow, slow-moving thing at this point in time. So, me falling back, me getting blood swept. And about that time, Peregrina, uh, my homeboy was coming through the dilapidated window, like the adjacent window, because he had eyes on what was going on, and he could see it clearly. And he was like, pow, pow, and smokes this dude with a uh, scar set, like a scar heavy, which is a 7.62, um, kills the man. And, like, I can hear Lincoln just, like, screaming. Like, oh, oh, oh. And she's screaming because, like, at this point in time, I'm, I'm nuking her back to me. Like, I'm, I'm on six high with a Tritronics old school and I'm getting her back to me um, because, like, right now, like, that area is not clear. And we actually, you know, so I, I – and then when I see Leica, Leica has her left front limb is actually in her mouth. Um, and she's trying to tear it off uh, what is connected still to her shoulder. So the way she was hit, it was hitting the ball and socket, right on, right on the ball and socket, the round did. So it literally laid that whole shoulder wide open. I mean, wide open, and it was just hanging on by like wow. tendons, like what meat. And you know, it's you know, it, animals perceive pain differently than humans. They look at pain and they just want it to stop. And I guess in her eyes, she was just like, "Hey, if I tear this limb off, then I, then this pain will go away." It's kind of like I guess when a wolf gets his foot caught in a trap, it'll chew its own foot off in order to get free. Um, and so she was literally pulling at her arm, and then I grabbed her. And right when I grabbed her, she boom, like she bit me right on, like right on my forearm, and I was like. I was like, uh, I was like, oh hell yeah! Like in my eyes, I was like, well, I guess this is one way to get her, get her back to safety. <laughs> and so I was just like, I was. She bit me, and I was just saying the whole time, I'm so sorry, baby, I'm so sorry. And like she was biting, like she was like full mouth biting me, and I was like, I'm so sorry. Well, I get back to the the, the predetermined fallback position, and um, 
you know, once again, it's it's uh, it's the PA that took care of me when Benno bit me, and it's a um, and it's a and it's a medic, and um, and the medic was like the medic got got Leica off of me, and he began working her, and the surgeon did too. And you guys got to remember, like, I'd already been, like, literally, like, in my head, I'm like, I got to be the worst fucking dog handler in the world. Like, I can't keep a dog alive. Like, in my head, like, I get back there, and I'm like, okay, I'm alive. Like, I process that, and I'm like, I can't even keep a fucking dog alive, like, alive long, like, for a month. But, like, I've only had her for a month. And, like, I remember I'm pacing, I'm mad. They're, they're, we're bombing the shit out of this house now. Like, they just dropped a 500-pounder on it and called it a day. You know what I mean? And then we, like, they sifted through it and we found it. But, yeah, man, like, I'm really down on myself. And I remember I looked at um, the PA and I was like, I was like, hey, because, like, he's, like, screaming in pain. And, like, they're they're dosing her up with uh, ketamine. So that's what they that's what they were giving her for pain um, was actually twice the dose, like, the twice, twice the dose, twice the amount that they would give a normal person. Um, that's what they have to give to a dog from my understanding because they metabolize everything a lot faster. And so they, and so they hit, um, leg up with twice as much ketamine as they would hit up a normal man with. And, um, and I remember I was pacing around and I was like, I was pretty upset and I was kind of, assi- I was assisting them to, uh, as far as the blood sweeps and controlling her head and just really learning off of them. And I remember like, I calmly looked at the PA cause like me and me and him had already done like. You know, we, me and this man have literally done just about every combat deployment together, me and this PA, that I had ever done. And he's been around every major situation from me being blown up to losing my friends. Like, he's been there for all of it. And I looked at him and I said, hey, man, heart to heart, uh, do I just need to go ahead and shoot her? Because, like, I told him, I was like, because I don't want to hear her in pain. Like, I don't want her to suffer. And I remember he told me to hold on, and he put the stethoscope up to her chest, and he goes, no, she's going to be fine. He was like, "There's nothing. there's nothing obstructing her chest. You know what I mean, mm. and and we weren't and and we weren't going to get, you know, we weren't going to get her out of there in enough time to be able to treat a, ch- a sucking chest wound. Now I'm sure the PA would have tried to do it anyway because that's that's how awesome that PA was. Um, he was phenomenal in just about every, like he was phenomenal at everything he did. Actually, um, he was in he was in uh, an infantryman in 1993 in Mogadishu. Um, in Somalia, so during the whole Black Hawk Down thing, and so um, and then he became a PA. But no man, the uh, he told me she would be all right. Um, we packaged her up whenever the Exville bird came. She came in, uh, we put her on it, and um, we rode out. Now we rode out. It took seven hours once we landed to amputate that left shoulder, and upon shaving her whole body, we found out that she actually had been hit in the other limb also. So the front limb, the front right limb that she Hold on. The front right limb, that, that, that's my daughter screaming, by the way. So, you know, it's all right. So, no, so she got hit in that front, that front right limb. Um, and so we looked at it, and you could literally, it was like, uh, remember from like Dust Till Dawn when, who was it? Is it, um, what, forgot what actor his name is. He's super famous, but he gets shot in the hand, and you can see right through it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can literally see oh, yeah, right yeah, through yeah. the hand. Um, that's what it was like. Like you held her other leg up and you could see right through it. You know what I mean? Where that, where that second AK round had hit her and then flipped her over onto her stomach and we could see where two, two rounds had superficially skipped across her stomach. And then on her back legs, uh, where that ball, where that, that, where that AK round had hit that ball and socket, it actually shattered that AK round. Thank God. 
um, or it probably would have killed her. But it, when it hit that ball and socket, it shattered that that bone was so hard it shattered that that round that jacket and it skipped down her down her rib cage. That's the direction of travel that round took. Hit her in the back leg. Wow. And then blew out the bottom of her foot. And so that was just one shot. That one shoulder shoulder hit that took her leg did all that damage as far as, you know, traveling. How that round traveled. Which was super impressive. And even to this day, nothing nothing bugs her. Um, nothing bugs her but that back leg. Like she still like she still hobbles around on the back leg and she still you know what I mean? Like if my if my daughter tries to mess with her back legs, uh she yeah, she gets she doesn't get crappy with my daughter, but she gets she gets a little cranky. But yeah, man, so that's that was that with, with Lega getting shot. Um the adoption process was long. I had to convince the chain of command Actually, was you know even after they got her out of surgery and they put her in a stable uh, position, um, you know so there were some upper leadership people who uh, they were like you know they wanted to put her down, and the surgeons that I was working with at the time looked and they said well we're not doing that, you know and then a guy rolled in a guy rolled in a, a, an Afghani regular Afghani dude rolled in and he had gotten shot in the butt that night. And uh, the, I remember the, them looking them looking at this guy who rolled in, and they were like, "We're working on an American right now." We'll, uh they were like, "Dope him up. We'll work on him in a minute," you know. And so like they did. They and it was cool, man. Like doing the whole amputation thing, watching how they do it, um, being able to help them with it, uh, watching them take like that soldering iron and like cut away at flesh and stuff like that. It was like a it was a a, a very surreal experience because. Because like I said, like I, at this point in time, I, I had no real big connection with this dog. You know what I mean? Like I had just ran six missions with this dog. She saved my life. Um, you know what I mean? I'm going to sit by her bedside, you know, obviously because she's my ranger buddy and I'm going to make sure that she gets the best care she can. Um, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to fight for if they try to put her down and I did. And, uh, and the surgeon team backed me up on it and, um, you know, and so, you know, like, I guess it was like destined or meant to be, but really like the, the whole time that it was going on, like, I'm just thinking like, please, please survive. Please live through this. They were like, Hey, we can't do the, the amputation was easy. It was the other arm that we had to send her to Germany for. And the air force, the air force was like, Hey, look, we'll take this dog. And so the air force actually got, well, got the big reason why she didn't get put down, I think is because the air force, and this is really crappy to say this, but the air force signed over, took, took the army's hand receipt and the army signed over Laika to the air force. You know what I mean? And so when, so when that happened, the air force took over air force, got her to, got her to Germany. Um, they did, a, they did another seven hour surgery on her. They had to put her like in a two week, uh, uh, medical-induced coma, because if she would have woke up and started moving that limb, she would have damaged everything they'd done. Um, and so, uh, you know, they've, they've had her wrapped up. And so whenever she whenever she finally had came to and woke back up after all this, from Afghan to Germany and surgery, all the way back to uh, San Antonio at Lackland Air Force Base, where she did all the rehab out of the um, the, the big canine facility that they have in San Antonio, and um, and they gave her an award and everything. And, and it was funny because I called, I I got frequent updates. I would call and harass 
Like, nobody was giving me any updates because she wasn't Army dog anymore. She wasn't a Ranger dog anymore. She was an Air Force dog. And so I really had to dig around to get my updates. And I finally would get my updates. And then I was like, okay, cool. I'm coming home. And I got home. I want to say August, August time frame. It was like, saw my ex-wife. We were still married at the time. You know what I mean? We did our thing, said, what's up to my son. And the next day I was like, boom, I called, I called up Lackland. And I was like, hey, you guys have a dog named Lakey down there? And they were like, who's asking? I said, her handler. And they were like, oh. They were like, what do you mean her handler? And I was like, you know, like her real handler? Like, the guy that, like I saw her get shot. Um, you know what I mean? And they were like, yeah, what's up? And I was like, I want to adopt her. And they were like, well, we already have somebody that's going to adopt her. And I was like, like who? Like her handler? <laughs> you <Yeah. know? laughs> and so... And so they instantly put me um, front and center, and they actually had their their whole uh, their their kennel, their not kennel master, but their commander, which was like a a colonel or something like that. Because the Air Force, like they're big into that dog thing down there. So somebody running it, it's like high, very, very high ranking. He calls me up. He's like, "Hey, I'm Colonel So and So. You know, it's, you know, I, I I hear that you know Lake has saved your life overseas, and you want to adopt her." And I was like, "Yeah." They were like, "She's super aggressive." Um, they were like, we can only have let one person handle her. Um, and, um, and he's like, and she's chewed off her tail or she chewed up her tail so bad we've had to remove. Yeah. And so, um, (laughs) you know, in my head, I'm like, I'm just happy that they, that they have her and I'm happy that they're willing to talk to me about it. And I did, I had to, had the way I convinced them was, is I said, Hey, look, I just lost my original dog on my birthday. And I was like, literally, I ran six missions with this dog. And I was like, and she saved my life. And I said, make no mistake. If I bring this dog home and this dog gets violent with one of my kids, I said, I will bring it out back and I will old yeller it. I said, I don't, you don't have anything to worry about liability wise. I said, I will take care of that myself. You know, and I was like, so let's get that. Let's get that. Let's get that whole talk over with. And the colonel was like, Roger that sign the paperwork. And so I got her and I got her and like they had just bobbed her tail and, you know, they, you know, they did the best, they did the best they could do with her. Um, They kept her really, really doped up. I want to say she was on like six or seven different like anti-anxiety meds and they couldn't keep a cone on her head. And they like, you know, from what I get at, they had her inside of a, uh, a crate kennel with a, with a blanket over it. And so, you know, you have a dog that's been through all this trauma and, you know, now she's in solitary confinement, not getting to do something she loves, essentially. You know what I mean? So, you know, anybody would wake up and be like, what in the actual, the enemy's got me? You know what I mean? Like, in her mind, that's what she's got to think. Like, it's a, it's a fight for her freedom every day. That's the way I see it now. Um, and so, you know, and so because she couldn't, you know, she, all because she's a one-year-old hard, hard worker, um, she ended up shooting herself up over anxiety. You know, or like chewed it up so bad they had to lop it. You know what I mean? Because they couldn't keep her off of it. And um, and I've only seen her do that once where she's like decided to kind of self-mutilate. I, I saw her go after her leg one day where she just started pulling the hair out. Um, she just started hmm. pulling all the hair off of her leg. And I was like, all right, girl, it's time to get you on a bike. It's time to make you, it's time to make you work and make you feel like you're worthy. You know, and she does. She gets that way sometimes. She gets, you know, she'll get moody or she'll get cranky or she'll be like, hey, I've forgotten about. Um, and she has, like, at her young age, dude, she, like, 
she would roll tennis balls up underneath my couch and literally chew through the center of the couch to get to the fucking tennis ball. Like, not, not like, wait till you got home to fucking, you know what I mean? For, for, for you to like, be like, oh, you're sitting really nicely. Let me go ahead and get you that tennis ball you accidentally ran up underneath my leather couch. No. She kicked that tennis ball up underneath that couch. She's going through the center of that couch just to get the ball. And then you would come home and she'd be like, <laughs> like not even hiding like a regular mm-hmm. dog would like, like in trouble. She's like proud of it. And I'm like, oh, girl, like you bitch. Yeah. Or there's another funny thing. Um, so I got freshly divorced and uh, I mean, I hadn't even had her a year yet, guys. And, uh, you know, I start playing the field. Obviously, I'm, I'm messing around with, you know, just, you know, really, really nice. <laughs> um, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm playing you know. the field. And so, yeah, you know. So, anyway, I bring I bring one over um, from, you know, from a bar. And we start having fun and messing around. I wake up in the morning because I'm, like, I'm a psycho. So, I wake up at, like, fucking 6 in the morning. I'm sure I didn't go to bed till like, 4. But I woke up at, like, 6 in the morning and Lenka has demolished all of this woman's stuff. I'm talking purse, clothes, boots, wallet, meaning I'm talking she fucking shredded it. I'm pretty sure she ate her underwear. Like, she was just, like, so fucking, she was so mad because she was like, how dare you kick me out of my bed and let that skank come in it? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's what she was mad about. You know what I mean? She thought, I think, I think, yeah, I think she had felt that she just got, like, knocked down a peg on the food chain. So before this woman even wakes up, I go to the ATM. I draw out three hundred dollars. You know what I mean? As a as, oh, a, as a young single e six, like you know what I mean? I just pull out three hundred dollars. You're such a gentleman. About this You're guy. such a gentleman. And then and yeah. then I and then I call makes Uber. It so much better. I call Uber. I wake I, I I wake her up. Like the Uber shows up. I wake her up and I'm like, hey, I put all your clothes in the bag. My dog fucked him up. Here's three hundred dollars. Your Uber's outside. It'll take you anywhere that you need to go. And I was like, "And you can go ahead and just keep those clothes on. You can have them." Like, I'm sorry. She was oh like, "You're gosh. fucking oh my She was like, "You're you're at the dog. And you're such an a hole." And, and I was like, "I was like, yeah, old attack dog. You probably don't want to yell at me. Your Uber's outside. <laughs> like, please, <laughs> like please." She's I like, "I go to the this. bar, and now I'm a hooker. <laughs> you know, I go and meet this dude. Now I'm a prostitute." $300. You change your life. I'm trying to reimburse. I'm trying to reimburse for her stuff. I never called her a whore. Uh, I mean, Lincoln did that for me. That's funny. funny. So, so Leica has three legs, no tail, walks with a limp on the other leg and is crazy. So if she's a, if she was a human, she was a human. You guys know some regiment dudes that would date her for sure. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, no. All day. The, 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 I would date her now. <laughs> I don't think I don't think anybody can handle her ass. Honestly, I think she'd just be eating men alive. Honestly, Trent, she'd be Trent, like, hey, Trent, you know? Trent. She is the female version of you. Yeah, that's why oh. I can't get it. That's why I can't keep relationships, bro. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? She's the three legged version of you. All I do is breed. You know? oh, yeah, pretty- that's awesome. Just, <laughs> uh, just a complete nutbag. Hey, just if you would lose an appendage, you and her would have something in common, other than being <laughs> two complete 
nuts. And the yeah, most I mean, positive you know. sense ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Yeah. So you know, but yeah. this is turning in. Real, real quick, so we can. I want to move on to your foundations here, real quick. How did the National Geographic stuff come up? Um, you know what? Like they they contacted me. They said they wanted me to be. They they were interested in Leica. Like they said, we're interested in doing a small piece on Leica. The Lackland Air Force Base. They told us like a small piece. The Lackland Air Force Base. They called them and they said, "Oh no, that's not our dog anymore. You're going to have to call Mr. McDonald." Because they had heard about this dog being down, you know, down there at their facility. I don't know how National Geographic found out about it, but they had found out and they had called Lackland. And Lackland had them call me. And then I had them call the, because I was still in the Army, and I was like, whoa, I don't know if I can touch this. And I don't want to get in trouble uh, being in the special operations and having my clearances. So I had them go through the media people. Uh, at regiment, um, the media people blessed off on it. We actually had the photo shoot at the Infantryman's Museum um, while I was at a school called ALC for NCOs, and um, like it was like four hours to get that shot, but we got the shot. And I don't think any of us thought that this dog was going to get like get on the cover of, of the of the magazine. I think they had like a couple other dogs that maybe they were looking looking at doing, and like boom, they got Lake's picture on there, and they were like, "That's the cover." And then I, I remember hearing the guy say, like, that's the cover. And then after that, I had, like, nice. some video documentary people come into my house um, that, that that regiment blessed off on. Like, all that stuff was all blessed off on regiment. I didn't even know I could do any of that. And then they came in, and they did the they did the documentary. And then um, me jumping out of the plane with my dog skydiving, that was just kind of something that came up um, where they wanted me to test a, uh, a harness for dogs without having to put dogs in bags. And they were, they said it was safe. And I said, so safe a three-legged dog can do it. And they were like, yeah, so safe a three-legged dog can do it. And I was like, rock and roll, let's go. And so that was was really, that was me really just jumping my dog with a prototype vest um, that's safe enough for a three-legged dog without a bag. And so, you know, that's how, that's how all that kind of stuff came along. Like I was still in the military at the time. That's crazy. That's that, and that is an iconic photo. That now that we mention it, people are going to go, "Oh fuck, that's the dog." Yeah, yeah. man, I know that yep. picture. That's that thing has been shown be like so many times. Be like killer. Right. Dude, I'm so happy I didn't either, man. She's became. She's literally, like I said, like in combat, I had no ties to her whatsoever. Uh, I, I adopted her only because that was my duty and I didn't want her to get put down as I've lived this life and yeah. I've been able to live her life with her. I've realized that, um, there's no, there's, there's a reason why animals and like dogs and like horses and stuff, there's a reason why their expiration date is before ours. And that's because they're better than us, you know? And, um, you know, and she's, she's became my best <clears throat> friend and, and, you know, she's honestly probably like, she's, I mean, she's the only female that hasn't left me. i don't know if she has a choice but i mean you know (laughs) i owe owe everything to her i owe my daughter i you know i owe i owe being able to have a daughter i owe you know like being able to have a relationship with my son i owe you know really every day i'm on this earth i owe to her because make no mistake um all those ak rounds were for me and she and she ate up every one of 
cares about. She doesn't care about any of it. All she cares about is some food and some water and a little bit of attention. So, you know, they're, they're definitely better than us. For sure, for sure. Wow. So, um, Byron, uh, fill us in on what's going on uh, with Rescue 22 these days. We interviewed John and Ennis. Man, it's, I don't know. I think the episode is back in the 50s year or 60s. A year and a half, probably. Yeah, it's back in the 50s <laughs> or 60s. Right. And this is like episode one something. So it's been a minute. So It's growing. It's, it's huge. Um, we've got, uh, unfortunately, I hate to say we have a waiting list upon waiting list right now of veterans in need. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's just exploding. We just ended up um, turning over a dog to a quadriplegic uh, up north. Uh, and it's going great. Um, it's one of the first types of dogs. It took over a year and a half. If you follow Rescue 22, John Devine and Sarah trained the dog and did just a stupendous job uh, training it. Uh, Rescue 22 is, um, I mean, as, as many of you know, is a, uh, is a service for veterans to get a service dog. Uh, free of charge. Right now, as you know, the VA is charging ser- veterans for service dogs. Um, and we've seen a huge, um, like in my time of need, uh, I was able to get a dog and it helped me tremendously. And I see a huge need for it. I was in a real dark place at the time in my life. And um, it was, it works. I mean, it gives you responsibility. It puts you back on track it gave a for me it gave me a, a new passion um and uh, based, uh like our motto you know saving two at a time um so right now we have a fundraiser for to win a, a mustang um you can go to rescue 22 um foundation.org i think i'm saying that right i would have to double check that but yeah rescue 22 foundation online or on our Instagram, and uh, you can uh, basically buy a raffle ticket and have the opportunity to win a, a Mustang. Um, we have a bunch of, and of course, you can just donate if you want, if you're not interested in winning a Mustang. Um, but we have, uh, it, it's just growing. It's, it's immensely growing. I've, a, a lot of guys kind of freak out, you know, dudes that are, um, veterans you know ego gets in the way it's like oh man i'm good i'm good i don't need a service dog you know and um it's not really about that you know their service dogs are have many different purposes and everything from medical alert um to just being a companion in general you know having that responsibility to be able to you know i i i was going through a divorce at the time super super rough time in my life um and then of course that stress coupled with being a full-time student, coupled with the stressors of nursing school, coupled with everything else going on in my life at the time, created me to start having issues with having night terrors and and not being able to sleep. So um, I was like, I went to the VA and I had just moved in. I was working in the ED at the time, the emergency department. And I went to the VA because I had moved from Utah back to Florida and they said, hey, we need you to take your analysis, thinking that the urinalysis was just to see if I was taking my medication, or I'm sorry, taking my, uh, not smoking weed, I ended up, um, it was, they're checking not only for that, but to check for if I was 
doing any my meds, taking my meds. And of course, they're like, so are you taking your meds? They asked me and I straight up lied. I was like, nope. Uh, or I was like, yep, yeah, I'm taking my meds. And they're like, nope, no, you're not. And I was like, no, 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 I am. And they're like, no, no, here's your neuroanalysis. There's not a trace of your medication in your urine. Um, and I was like, busted. all right, yeah, yeah I'm, bu- I'm busted. And I was like, here's the deal, guys. You're over-medicating me. I don't need these meds. I need to be sharp. I work in the emergency room. I cannot be on these medications. And I said, well, you have two choices. You either take them or or you AMA and you basically choose not to continue getting coverage and we're going to cancel your VA coverage or you can take a service dog. And of course my army mind goes dog. It's going to be free because mm-hmm. they're, they're prescribing it to me. And I was like, hell yeah, I'll take a dog. So I take this dog, I get his card. They tell me to call the number. They'll get me set up for a consultation to get a service dog. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, and they're like, yep, that'll be like, I think it was like 23 or 32. I can't remember what it was. Thousand dollars that they wanted for this service dog. And I was like, and it was from a pretty well-known reputable service dog company, uh, for vets. And I was like blown away. And I called immediately called Eric Ennis and I was like, dude, I don't know what to do. And he just starts to laugh. It's like in the middle of the night too. Cause I'm like, in a patient room having to do suicide watch, unfortunately, uh, on this patient. And I was texting them because the patient was literally strapped to their bed and there wasn't really much. I just had to watch them. So I was like, I texted him and he was like, dude, you're not gonna believe this. He's like, I literally just started a nonprofit yesterday, uh, called rescue 22 foundation. And I have a dog for you right now. And he's like, you can come, at your earliest convenience, essentially. And I, my next break was May. And I was like, okay, which was like two, three months away. And he's like, perfect. Gives me some time to get him a little bit sharper. And the rest is history. Um, from that point, I just basically got involved in that, became super obsessed with basically all of the dog handling stuff, decoying, detection, protection, service dogs and then um you know about however many long i don't know it's like a year now uh eric was like let's let's start working on getting expanding coastline canine i want to bring you on as a partner and let's expand coastline canine and then of course in that process shrimp pops back up on the radio and now we are we help with helping getting these dogs ready uh, for whatever medical need they need, um, whether it be emotional support, you know, just general service dog, uh, medical alert, um, mobility, um, all those types of things. So uh, it's it's grown astronomically. We have some pretty well-known, renowned people who are ambassadors, people like Jack Carr, uh, Navy SEAL, author of um, the um, Jack Carr series, uh, The Terminal List, uh, Savage Sun, yep. the and all that stuff, um, and we have uh, some other individuals that are also ambassadors uh, for us, um, and it's just one of those things where you know it, it's it, the 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 twenty two a day thing is it is it's really is an epidemic 
And the biggest issue, um, and I worked real closely with Ryan over at the Gorilla Group, who is another service, and the uh, Darby Project and all that stuff. But the uh, they the Gorilla Group helps veterans get plugged in and find a mission. You know, rock climbing, skydiving, you know, surfing events, things of that nature. Um, veterans leave service and it's like you hear these stories and everyone's going to get sucked into this podcast and they're like, man, I want to do, but like all that stuff comes with a price. It comes with sleepless nights. It comes with, you know, all of, all of the things that we have to, to, um, deal with now. And you get that DD 214 and you get discharged and that movie reel stops. It's over. That, Donning that kit, putting on that radio, doing radio checks, the freaking worldly birds are spinning up, and that movie reel that you lived and did for you predominantly in most of your adult life, it's over. And then you go home, and it's like, okay, and I'm now supposed to be a normal person and tell stories that is my experience that it's not like nobody else understands it. Nobody gets that. Nobody. And it's like, Hey, be normal. Well, I don't even know what normal looks like. And I don't know what's accepted. Right. So you do this and then all of a sudden you have all the problems and then those problems create divorces. And then, and it may not be your fault. It may be the other person's fault, but regardless, you know, we end up having these marital issues. We end up having financial issues. And then, you're used to having, in my case, a, a, a platoon of children in your home. And then all of a sudden, your ex is like, you know what? I found someone better. I'm out. And you're alone. Now, you've got the, 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 the perfect worst storm in the world. You're alone in a house with no real responsibility, nothing that you really honestly care about, with no passion, and all you can think about is where you were, you physically feel like you were born, which was combat. Because life, you know, frankly, in combat is a lot easier than real life in general. It's real easy. It's like stay alive, keep your buddy alive, come home, and then repeat. Train, repeat. And it's stuff that you enjoy to do, which is shooting, go to the range, you know, tactics. You just don't like all the other rules and regulations that go along with it, which is why you get out, you get sick of the, the big army crap. But you love being deployed mm -hmm. for the most part. You know, you love doing the job. You just, and then for the most part, you love the people you worked with. But you hated all the other bu political bureaucracy you had to put up with, right? Same thing with cops. Cops love what they do. They just hate the political bureaucracy. And if they leave this being an uh, officer, that's why. Um, but then yep. that purpose is gone. It's the same. The, the, the PTSD that we deal with through the military is the same for police officers it's the same for nurses it's the same for all of us that have those jobs um any type of frontline person and rescue 22 provides those dogs with individuals saving two at a time saving a, a dog that potentially might you know of, of a working dog breed places it with a veteran giving him something and it, it's nothing to be ashamed of it's nothing to be like you know, I'm this big Billy badass ranger that like people look at me and they see me on, you know, magazines and they see me with my dog and they see this big, this big facade of 
you know, man, that guy's life. It's got to be great, man. He's in the gym and he's jacked. And, you know, I hear all the time. I'm not tooting my own horn here or anything. It's just what people do. But what they don't see is what, like, Elena sees when she has to calmly wake me up in the middle of the night because I'm screaming in my sleep, you know, call signs. And I'm having those moments and I'm like, oh, crap, you know, okay, I'm good, you know. Or when I was in that home sitting there, with a gun in my lap, trying to make the decision between, am I going to down all of my medication or am I going to freaking blast my brain? Well, my choice was I went down to the beach. I'm going to die with the scenery. So I freaking smashed my entire bottle of medication, which is what forced me to go find help. And I finally found that help, and I realized, well, damn, dudes like, like badass guys, like, you know, that did a lot of badass stuff, you know, like Trent like myself, like Eric, we are all struggling and we've had the exact same issues. And it's like, man, I'm not alone. And then the dialogue is now opened. So now you're able to discuss this with other dudes that you're like, you get it. You get it. Oh man, Rui Reyes, you get it. Had a conversation with him about it at SHOT Show. And I was like blown away because he deals with the same things. And I mean, Rudy Reyes, I mean, we're talking generation X here. This dude's like all over the place. He's in freaking, and, and he's dealing with it too. He has those same issues and he's still, and Jade seen him struggle and she, and like, and, and he openly talks about it. And it's amazing because the thing is, is like, you're not alone. These people that people look up to. So for me, it was like, I started getting, you know, some, some social media. And I like, I went to, did some stuff with GSMSG, the global surgical medical support group. And people were like, dang, that guy just went off to a war zone for free to teach people how to save lives. And, you know, all the group. And I was like, I found my passion again in the process of this. I started finding my passion, which was rescue 22 GSMSG working these dogs created a career around it. And then I was like, well, now I can begin this, you know, the begin begin that dialogue you know like i started talking on the podcast mills uh mentors for mills and being super open and going hey guys check it out there's nothing wrong with saying that i once had a substance abuse problem i once tried to kill myself because yes is, is it cool that i did that absolutely not it's terrible i'm super glad that it's my one of my one failures in life um and because now I can say, hey, bro or ma'am, I've been there. I've lost all of my money. I've been homeless. I've had broken relationships. I've been in the middle of custody battles. I was in a custody battle for seven years and finally got my kids and won. Um, and, the, and with that happening, I, I was able to go, Okay, get over your ego. Stop trying to keep this story quiet because that's what's creating this. There's not enough dudes out there going, yep, I had a problem with substance because I wanted to try to mute the freaking noise in my head. Because it's not necessarily that I'm having PTSD. It's more of like I want to go back to that simple life of waking up and doing the right thing, you know, Um yeah, there's some tragic things that have happened and you've hear, heard some of those stories with Trent. But at the end of the day, 
it's not the that's not always what we want to go back to. We don't really remember those and dwell on those terrible moments. We dwell on all the other things and the fact that we lost that purpose. That purpose is gone, and then we didn't redirect that energy. It's just like a dog, it, you know. A dog. Humans are very, very much like dogs. You know, pain and reputation, right? And then if you know, if you don't redirect, if that dog's a working dog and he's in the house tearing stuff up, what's that reason why he's doing that? Well, you're not working him enough. You're not. He's that has. He has no purpose. So he's going to find purpose, which is find that tennis ball that rolled behind the couch instead of going trying to dig it out. I'm going to blow. I'm going to dig through the couch. You know, it's same thing with with a veteran. And eventually, it becomes self-destructive. And then you're like, well, I'm just a big sack of worthless crap. Let me freaking turn it. I'm just going to flip it off. And you know what? It's it's not that way. Or oh my gosh, I'm going through a divorce. I lost all of my stuff. I lost all of my money. The woman raked me over the coals. You know, my life is over, you know? And yeah, I'm divorced. Yeah, I lost everything. You know, um, I owned what I could own. And then I turned around and found purpose again and realized, okay, yes, I don't have my children right now, but what do I need to do to get there? Oh my gosh, it's so daunting. It's going to cost me, you know, tons and tons of money to get attorneys. Well, what do I need to do to make the money that I need to do to get this situation revolved instead of saying, you know, I quit. Because, yep, you, you did that, but your family and loved ones still have to, to, to deal with what you chose to do because of whatever it is. Because you made the choice to not talk about it because you feel like there is nobody out there that would understand or know what you're dealing with, you know? And then of course, you know, a lot of the suicides have to do with they're inebriated. They are using substance. So now they're in an impaired mindset because they're trying to use a substance to mute what's going on. And, or, you know, I, I sleep hard at night when I get drunk. Well, that's not necessarily the right answer. You're also impaired and not in the right no. mind, state of mind, you know. Um, and, you know, for us, for me, it became take this platform, work with a foundation that's actually physically making a difference in people mentally and medically, um, physically changing their lives to a whole new extent, giving them purpose again, giving them responsibility, giving them something again, and hopefully um, maybe sparking a passion in, in the canine industry like it did for me. Um, I mean, I left, I didn't fully leave the medical field, but I, it's not my, my nine to five. My nine to five is this right now with Rescue 22 and Coastline Canine. And, you know, with these dogs, these, these veterans are able to find a light at the end of the tunnel because now they, when they wake up, they see this creature who loves them. They have a bond with it. I got to take this thing to go take a crap outside. And it's going to make me come out of my, my cave that I never wanted to come out of. I got to feed it, which, you know, creates you to have to figure out. And then when you come home, you're not coming home to a quiet home. You're coming home to a dude that's excited to see you. He's been there all day waiting on you. You know, just to sit in your lap or to go chunk a ball. 
You know, my Odin right now, like he is like my best friend. I mean, he's a multi-purpose canine um, that is amazing, but it's like he knows. I mean, Elena's pregnant right now. My better half. I'm. I'm. I. I have. I upgraded. Um, <laughs> and she. But he knows. He knows if something's wrong with her. If she's not feeling well. She's pregnant right now. She's about to have a baby, and and he has the ability to see that there's something. There's an issue there that he needs to console. And animals have the unbelievable ability to be able to sense these emotions that we as humans have and to come in and console you um, and try to make you feel better. Um, and it's been proven to work. So, and I'm honored to be a oh, part yeah. of uh, such a, such an honorable organization and work with legends like Eric Ennis and Trent and John Devine and uh, Will Whitting and all the crew um, and, and Jack Carr and all that stuff. Yeah, that's an amazing group. Very amazing. Rescue22foundation.org, I believe, is the website. Yep. Uh, people yes. can get on there and donate, help out. Um, it's on all the social media platforms. Um, do you have a, a real quick before Trent runs out of battery? Any social media platform you guys want to promote, real quick? Uh, if you guys are interested in any type of boarding and training, you guys want any type of dog training. Uh, reach out to Coastline Canine. Um, we have two facilities, one in Naples, Florida, one right here in the Panhandle of Florida. Um, and also, like you said, Rescue 22, if you guys are interested in, uh, you have a veteran or someone that needs help, uh, please feel free to reach out to us through the um, social media and or the uh, website. Um, and you guys can follow us both on social media. Our names are exactly what they are. Uh, at Coastline Canine um, for our uh, personal social medias. Trent underscore awesome. Coastline Canine. Right, I'm going to go follow that right now. <laughs> Excellent. Let's go, guys. Mine's the same. And he won't still... fall off the radar this time. He won't fall <laughs> yeah. off the radar. Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I won't go hide in the hole. Yeah. You know? yeah. Mine's uh, still. I'm the same. coming home with Trent, so I need 300 bucks. <laughs> oh, God. Dead. True story. Uh, True story. Hey, mine is still hey, the same, man. so is the podcast. That's an expensive whore. That's an expensive podcast. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> oh, man. All right, boys. <laughs> I have to. I have to say, it's been an honor, gentlemen, uh, being yeah. on here with you, we and I really it. appreciate yeah, the invite. Yeah, dude, for hey, sure. Good talking to you again, Ted. Yeah, dude, you too. for sure. We'll catch back <laughs> up, everybody. See you. See you, good, good, See you boys. Meet you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. All right, peace, brother. Bye. Take it easy, gentlemen. Our very first sponsor of the podcast is our good friend Arno out at ALM, and I got to tell you. We love this guy and his stuff. He has the best tugs on the market. He has easily, without a doubt, the best hidden sleeves on the market. He's yep. got suits, pre-made. He's he got custom-made suits he'll do for you. Arno's a great guy, man. He's doing all the work himself. I'm telling you, uh, you cannot say enough about his stuff, his tugs. Um, guys, you got to check him out. ALMK9Equipment.com. 
uh, discount code WD Radio for ten percent off your first order. Check them out. AlmK9Equipment.com. One of our other sponsors has been with us since the beginning, and some of our favorite people in the industry are the Tripwire Operations Group guys, based out of Gettysburg, Gettysburg, based out of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. They're an internationally recognized leading provider of product services training for federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies and military units and special operations. They are an ATF licensed explosive material manufacturer, importer, exporter, and dealer with a wide range of explosive products to offer, including custom kits for the dog guys, and they deliver. These kits are great for detection canine and printing, and they have three different kits to choose from. The use of all three kits combines creates a complete explosive threat picture for canine teams. Be sure to check them out at tripwireops.org. The music in this episode is used with permission by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at Brother Deeg, that's spelled D-E-G-E dot net. Be sure to check him out there or on iTunes, Amazon, CD Baby, or anywhere you stream media. This episode has been edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt. Visit our other sites at patreon.com, look for Working Dog Radio, hrdpolicecanine.com, and look for the nearest seminar near you. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E, dot blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.